Hey, City of Champion podcast listeners, thrilled to have you back for another episode of the show. And here we're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. So off the top, I have to give some love to the Edmonton Public Library, who is a sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network. A quick little story about EPL. I decided to make some big life changes back in 2016, and one of my goals was to get smarter. And the best way I thought to accomplish this was to begin reading for basically the first time since university. Um, I had got off to a hot start reading about a book a week, which was great, except for the fact that I was spending like 20 to 30 bucks on every new book. Uh, about six months into the journey, I was turned on to EPL. I quickly discovered how up-to-date their selection was and how convenient the entire system was of placing a hold online for the book and waiting for it to be delivered to the nearest branch when available. Uh, fast forward a couple years and I'm still reading a significant amount, though my book a week pace has slowed just a bit. Uh, but the biggest change is that I was gifted a Kobo e-reader for Christmas this past year. A uh, great thing about the Kobo is that you can take out ebooks from EPL, which has made my life that much better. So key takeaways here are one, reading will substantially improve your life. Two, the Edmonton Public Library is awesome. Three, it will save you a ton of money. Four, get an e-reader to maximize your reading efficiency. Go to epl.ca to sign up, get educated, and also discover the many great services they offer other than just lending out books. All right, so speaking of getting educated, my guest this week is a lifelong student and has over 25 years of experience in the field of human movement and performance. Simon Bennett is best known around town for his premier health, wellness, and training facilities operating under the Body by Bennett name. Simon was also the longtime director of high performance for the Edmonton Oilers, putting him on the cutting edge of the performance field. While working with top athletic performers, Simon began to conceptualize a way to deliver that same care and expertise to people outside of the world of professional sports. Uh, the culmination of all this planning and decades of years of experience is coming together for him right now in his new facility opening up in the Ice District this August called Archetype. Simon and I talked for two hours and covered a ton of material in the realm of performance and wellness. Uh, what I found most interesting about Simon's concepts is the interplay between the physiological, so science, um, the psychological, and the philosophical. He's done a great job of distilling some pretty high-level ideas down to be understood by people like me whose lives don't revolve around the industry. Uh, so with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this extensive and elaborative conversation with Simon Bennett. Okay, third time's a charm now sitting with Simon Bennett, because uh, I didn't plug the mic in the first time. Simon, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. It's a good thing you caught it early. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why I always monitor the levels here. But um, yeah. we were saying the first time around, you know, you're a guy that I've wanted to have on the show for a while now, because mm -hmm. um, you do a lot of things that just I naturally gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not one to think that the universe does things or, or sets things up for you. But I think when the time is right, the time is right. So uh, it's good to finally have you here. Well, it's uh, pleasure is all mine. I uh, I certainly have been following you a little bit over the years, and uh, just you know seeing all the work that you're doing and 
super fascinated on that level, just on a personal level, just all of the, all the work that you're doing in production and film and television. So this is great that we can sit down and chat about my passions and my interests <laughs> yes, and, and all the things that that keep me up at night, right? Um, speaking of, of what's going on currently, you've been watching the playoffs at all? I have. Yeah. Wow. What's Amazing. going on? Man, it's been yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's... it's uh, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, and I've said this a number of, on a number of different occasions, but I think at the end of the day, the goal is just to get into the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Because then you get this whole new season and, and it seems like the teams that are, that are, you know, surprising people shouldn't really be a surprise because those are the teams that were trending upwards right. going into the playoffs. So I think for the most part, you know, we really can't be surprised at the fact that teams are elevating themselves like twofold, threefold, fourfold from where they were in the regular season. So... And then the teams that don't get there, mm-hmm. you know, you find yourselves with an early exit, right? Yeah. Wouldn't so. Winnipeg and St. Louis would be a perfect example of that, right? Like Winnipeg was real hot to start the season, but yeah. St. Louis has gone into the playoffs just on a, on a wicked high. Yeah, since January. I mean, they, they've just been like on a tear. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising that, that they're doing as well. And I think, you know, a lot of the pundits were saying, I think even in advance, they said, you know, Winnipeg drew a tough, tough first round matchup mm-hmm. having to play St. Louis. And so... I would, I would, I would, I mean, we, we saw the, pro, we saw, we saw the proof was in the pudding, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they ended up uh, with a big upset and so, but I mean, you could extend that to what happened in Tampa too, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I, as a guy who's concerned with high performance, I mean, what, a, what's the season, what's the trajectory of this, these guys' fitness levels throughout the course of the season and then into the playoffs? Like, like they're so deep now after an 82 game regular schedule and, and, and now battling in the first round of the playoffs, like. What, what are these guys going to be focused on in terms of their nutrition or upkeep of their fitness? Like, is it just hanging on? Are they peaking now? Have they peaked earlier in the season? What sort of, how does that sort of broad view look? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's, it's important, Shane, to point out that I am a former high-performance director okay. for, for the team. So, um, you know, what I would be speaking to is past tense. I've got two guys, obviously, that work for me that, that do all of the strength and conditioning work for you know, for the, for the pro team. And so, and so, you know, to answer your question, I think, you know, when you, when you look at a season, like an in-season high performance model for, for elevating performance, obviously, um, there's a number of things that go on and, you know, and I often tell the story that when we first started or when I first started as a strength and conditioning coach, uh, we were doing things a lot differently Mm -hmm. back then. The thought process was a lot different. The, um, you know, the emphasis was largely on, on, I think, adding a lot more stress and trying to find ways to, to work players out. That was kind of the end game um, because we always felt the bigger, stronger, faster was, was, was the way to go. And mm-hmm. I think specifically when we talk about hockey, right, we understand the, you know, the intense physical demand that, that comes with playing the game. And, and it's not just the, the physical play itself. It's the, it's the travel schedules. It's the fact that the players practice almost every day. Um, it's it's combined with you know all of the mental and emotional stress that comes with playing at such a high level, um, and so what what we really end up doing is really trying to find ways to elevate performance and elevate human performance from the standpoint of what can we do that would allow us to potentially bypass strength and conditioning um, and and elevate performance just by simply focusing on other pillars things like you know, sleep, augmenting sleep, but more importantly, things like managing stress and mm-hmm. um, being able to identify whether, you know, uh, an individual's nervous system is finely tuned and robust enough that when it does get a stressor, it's able to come back or bounce back. 
um, which creates more resiliency, which is, I think, a whole topic that we could dive into if, if you so choose. Um, but but the, And so I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way is that, that what we really focus on in season, and, and I'm not saying this is exclusive to our team, it's what they're doing in the high performance space, but mm-hmm. you know the values are really focusing on resiliency of player, like player resilience, grit, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how you get that is by basically focusing on wellness. And so when you focus on wellness, you end up augmenting overall performance because I think you and I would both agree that if somebody's not actually well, and, and we can get into a definition of what well means, mm-hmm. um, they really can't perform at a high level. So if you continually add load to somebody, all you're doing is adding more stress. And mm-hmm. so um, are they adapting? Well, you know, in some cases, players don't. Some, some athletes don't because they're being overloaded by you know, um, multitude of factors and, and it's not allowing them to, to, to step up and, and be bigger and stronger and faster in, in sort of our, our kind of sense of understanding in terms of what athletics means. Right. So at this point, they're kind of recovery, nutrition and preparation are sort of the three, would be kind of the three main pillars that you're focusing on. Yeah, it's, it's so individual though, because I mean, and that's really where things are trending now is that you know, it's like you, it's, you can't have a one-trick pony anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's getting a lot of physical stress through play, then you have to treat that person differently. Their 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 systems are going to be under much different load. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as I said, then you also need to understand like what's that person? How well is that person sleeping? Like how well are they actually managing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they have an unusual amount of stress? And if so, what are the outlets? What what technologies are you implementing to help? Um, dissipate or help that player bounce back from from what they're doing Um, and so you start to so you start to really focus in on an individual level as opposed to just saying you know like what are we typically just generically doing right and 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 then you start getting into things like the specifics of nutrition and Mm -hmm. and and I mean that's such a like I mean we like to think we know everything about nutrition but it's such an untapped area we could do an entire podcast just on engineering high performance nutrition and 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 all the different sort of um, strategies and methodology that you could use to mm-hmm. to augment those areas right yeah so, I, like you know you've got to kind of be at the at the peak of your game for everything you've got to synthesize all of these different fields in terms of high performance for for now your business like where do you go to get the best research? Like, how do you have the time to synthesize it all? Like, how do you manage your schedule day to day to be like, all right, I'm devoting this portion of my day to biz, uh, biz dev, and then this portion to um, you know meetings, and this portion to research, and mm-hmm. like, how, how do you manage all that? Well, it's a great question, but I mean, you have to be a ferocious reader, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it's not so much reading like the old school of reading books. I mean, it's reading books, but it's also tapping into a lot of online content. Um, tapping into high performance individuals and podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's literally a you know you know I can think of eight or nine things that 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 really stand out for me when, when in terms of how I gather information. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's it's just being intensely curious and 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 focusing on trying to understand how that industry is growing. But I can tell you in my inbox in my email, there is there is conferences being offered on mm-hmm. high performance. There's um, you know, there's retreats, there's, there's, there's books, there's, 
professionals. There's people really specializing into very specific areas of, of the whole performance world, mm-hmm. the wellness world, the wellness space. Yeah, it's like overload um, now. It's, it's, yeah, and, and so you have to, I mean, really you're at a point now where you have to glean mm-hmm. um, you know, where you think you want to try and extrapolate more information. So you know, I, I focus more just on the big pillars, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I also want to know where technology is actually augmenting or helping uh, us, you know, manage these things, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, there's, there's, it's, it's everything from podcasts to, you know, getting to conferences where they're, they're bringing in, you know, speakers from all over the world mm-hmm. that have experience, uh, not just uh, scientific expertise, but actually have experience in the space, coaches that have coached and had a lot of success. Right. You can listen from them. You can glean pretty much everything and anything from anybody, um, it really just depends on where your antenna is, right? Yeah. Well, you strike me as sort of a lead by example guy. Like you're, you're yeah. You look like yeah. you're chiseled out of out yeah. of stone. And <laughs> yeah. anytime I'm at yeah. Body by Bennett, yeah. I see your name at the top leaderboard yeah. of any co- competition or any uh, any time trials. You're always you're always the winner on that. Um, <laughs> so it's great. It's great to yeah. see people that are actually practicing what they preach. Um, who are guys that or girls that you look to? Um, you know that inspire you or or that you admire the work that they're doing are there any specific people yeah um i mean uh from a podcast level i i probably i really like the work that ben greenfield is 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 kind of pushing into yeah Mm -hmm. he's somebody that that is definitely on my on my radar screen um you know in terms of in terms of uh I love the fact that he has such a well-rounded experience and really understands, you know, um, all of the kind of major topics around performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got obviously some great guests that he brings through. So I, I really enjoy um, tapping into his expertise. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if you know this, but I also have a, a partner in a fitness tool that I invented called Viper. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, Michelle Delcourt and I co-created this probably 10 years ago mm-hmm. and and so actually ironically Michelle developed a company called Institute of Motion and so I actually um, consider Michelle actually a mentor uh, oh, okay. in, in, in a lot of respects because he has really pushed into the um, whole prevention health space and and um, and so I, in fact, we've actually onboarded him to help us build out our educational platform for uh, architect the new our new club to mm-hmm. help upskill and 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 train our, our our staff and our trainers and our performance coaches and personal trainers to to be able to make the reaches and steps into how to become a top performer so michelle is somebody that 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 i lean on quite regularly um, there's some obvious ones like paul check i think was somebody that was always kicking around in our industry for many many years where is, where is he is he edmonton he's out of san diego okay uh, and he's you know people that know Paul Check, no Paul Check. He's mm-hmm. he's he's a holistic practitioner. In fact, he was probably even twenty years ago. I'm going to say, he was the first guy that never referred to himself as a strength coach or a fitness professional. He always said, "I'm a holistic practitioner." So he was, you know, in, in he was intensely ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. you know, way before anybody was. And I think, you know, when you get somebody that's that far in front of of what's happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're almost seen as a little bit weird or strange, and right. so you know, I always remember Paul Check going to a going to a conference, and this guy is standing on a Swiss ball, 
and he's bouncing up and down the Swiss ball and we're all walking by like, what the hell is this guy doing, right? And you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, like, why is he doing that? Right. And so anyways, he started presenting on, you know, on uh, proprioception and mm-hmm. balance and, you know, and at that time that was when we started to kind of see the underpinnings of things we call core strength, like, yeah. you know, which is a completely bastardized term that, that I don't think most people really use properly, but, um, you know, we kind of use it as kind of a catch word. I think yeah. a lot of people kind of sort of have a quick connotation to what it means. And so, um, you know, he was a guy that, that, that was really out of the gate and, 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 uh, you know, was presenting some really interesting concepts. So I, I followed him for, for many, many years. Um, and then of course there's, there's a lot of, uh, people in business that I follow. Like I, I like to be well-rounded in my education and my, cause I think, you know, um, I feel like, you know, when you look at things, I, I, I'm such a large believer in a holistic model mm-hmm. uh, to anything. And so when it comes to education and learning and training, you, you want to make sure that you're tapping into, into, into you know, uh, brilliant people and artists and thinkers around the world that, that really allow you to kind of augment yourself, not just in your own sort of individual industry or sphere but in in all aspects of life in order to kind of really develop a proper understanding of how to connect the dots for things right so yeah i mean and you have to worry about getting too narrow focused on anything because you just you miss out on so much of the rest of the world and life like there's so many opportunities there's so many opportunities to learn from people in different fields i mean that's what this podcast for me is about yeah it's an opportunity to educate myself and hopefully the audience as well um, and you alluded to Archetype, which is your new facility, which I want to talk a lot about. But to give a little context to that, yeah. let's rewind and let's take it back yeah. to a young Simon Bennett, up yeah. and coming, when he was proving the, the doubters wrong and succeeding. So yeah. what's, what's yeah. your story in, in this industry and, and in this life? Well, I, th- I think, uh, you know, like when I graduated uh, with my, you know, Kines degree, fresh out of UBC, and then you know, um, decided to extend that to an education degree because it wasn't sure how the application and everything was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I realized after going through, you know, my teacher education program that I just simply wasn't interested in that type of teaching. I wasn't interested in classroom style teaching environments, right? I knew that I wanted to do something in fitness. And so, I mean, obviously at that time, you know, I was working and beg borrowing and stealing, trying to find ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, 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 there was a number of things that I, that I did along the way that I think were fairly entrepreneurial mm-hmm. um, in order to, to make, you know, quick income and, and quick cash. And so I think I kind of connected the, the dots early on for myself that I needed to do something that was more, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurial, that had entrepreneurial sort of uh, characteristics, which meant basically, you know, self-employed or working for yourself. Right. And back then that um, word wasn't nearly as sexy it as it is nowadays, no, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it was almost like everybody a, says, everybody says, everyone says they're self-employed or they're <laughs> entrepreneurial. And, and I think um, the one thing I've learned is that, that there's a big difference between entrepreneurship and what we would call uh, passion entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a, there's, there's a big difference and, Anyways, that's probably for another day. But um, you know what? What I learned from that, I think, was was the fact that that my antennas went up, and mm-hmm. I started kind of looking for opportunity. And I think there was a huge opportunity for me when I when I um, when I first graduated in this whole area of the development and the augmentation of fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, and so you could see that in large pockets around the world, big you know sort of markets. 
uh, West Coast was really kind of paving the way for this whole personal training industry. And so mm-hmm. um, I decided that, you know, uh, I wanted to open up a professional uh, training studio. I wanted to professionalize the, the experience that people would get, uh, that they would pay properly for the service and that you would deliver kind of a knock it out of the park type of well-rounded service around fitness and, and health. And so um, I, I thought I could get the best start doing that in Edmonton. I thought the market was a little bit untapped here. And so I kind of put those two things together and mm-hmm. partnered up with a guy here locally in Edmonton, Dave, David Lowe. And he, uh, he and I kind of embarked on this idea of building a business plan around, you know, developing the first kind of high performance uh, fitness studio, right? Mm-hmm. And we weren't calling it high performance actually at that time. So that's actually kind of a, a bit of a leap. Yeah. We were just calling it personal training. Personal it was training. Really, it was, yeah. it was professional fitness. And mm-hmm. so, um, and so we, we, you know, we, we went through a year of building a business plan and then finding the right location and then connecting with the right markets and mm-hmm. getting the right people on board. And, and so, um, you know, you asked me about, about, you know, what, 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 what were the naysayers saying at that time? And I think at that time, you know, people felt that there really wasn't going to be a large number of people that would be available to spend money on, a, on an individual basis. Siri's always yeah, listening. Siri's always, always listening. Yeah, they're always <laughs> listening. Um, and so, uh, oh, I wonder if they could hear that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so there, there was a lot of naysayers at that time that, you know, I just... I mean, again, and I don't want to overplay it. It was just, it was just this sort of cynicism that people mm-hmm. had that there wouldn't be a market there available for people who wanted to spend, you know, anywhere from sixty to seventy-five bucks an hour mm-hmm. on a individualized training program. And so they were wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And and we proved that. And I was kind of at the very beginning in terms of helping develop the industry um, along the way. And you know, it's proof positive today. We see an exploded. Uh, what we call boutique fitness industry mm-hmm. um, that offers everything from you know very specific group experiences to personal training studios to you know very well curated very specific types of yoga that are mm-hmm. more on the boutique level and I think that really spawned from this real desire and need from the market that people want more personalization they wanted more customization more individualization and so um, and so that exploded and it exploded in a, in a, in a big way. And so, um, you know, that, I think that was our initial challenge was really just overcoming people who were cynical to the idea that actually you could actually make a living doing this or that you could actually build a a career around it. And so we kind of proved them wrong and we, we got to the point where we had this incredibly robust, uh, high performance athletics program. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we had a very intense skate treadmill program that I purchased. It was a, it was an asset worth over a hundred and I think we paid $120,000 at that time it would have been crazy to think that somebody would spend that much money on right. a small business. And we built that in as part of our program and we had just a, a really good run with it mm-hmm. and really helped us carve our way into, into that market. And so we just kept growing and growing and expanding and adding things to what we're doing and, and things like terms like the word high performance became more of a relevant conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody always gravitated to wanting to work with athletes because they're highly motivated and it really challenges your skill sets as an individual. Um, but, but that's, I think changing in the sense that, um, as you know, from our conversations before that we're really pushing into this whole area of, you know, trying to position things towards people who are high performers in life. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, people that, and a high performer in life is is a you know is is kind of a loose term, but it's really anybody who really cares about 
optimizing what they're doing mm -hmm. and so um you know that that's that's the new I, I think that's the new direction for the industry mm -hmm. i feel like um you know what we've done on the boutique level as far as offering uh curated fitness experiences and professional training we're only able to get at you know sort of this singular focus on on exercise mm -hmm. and 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 movement uh, but I feel like that's really just such a small part of the pie when you talk about this larger concept of building stress resistance or building resiliency or grit or, you know, trying to elevate, you know, overall performance or, you know, trying to take somebody um, to a level and optimize them so that they don't have to get struck down at age 50 with a nasty cancer or, um, you know, creating this notion that, you know, if I focus on staying well, that I'll be able to elevate all these other areas of my life. So, you know, if it's family or if it's, you know, uh, work-related, uh, you know, uh, ambitions, or if it's, um, you know, if it's, if it's uh, you know, that I'm a recreational competitive skier or, you mm -hmm. know, I like to play tennis or I like to do any of these things that I can basically, that there become no boundaries to life, right? There's no barriers to what I can or can't do and I don't get struck down with, you know, degenerative disease because, you know, I take care of my body, that I subscribe to this idea that, mm -hmm. you know, that I have to advocate for my own wellness, that a doctor in a white coat is only there to help me when I get into trouble, that mm -hmm. we've got to, you know, flip the fact that, you know, our healthcare system is something that is there to only be available to us if we get into trouble. If you're lucky enough to be born healthy and you have a responsibility to maintain that health, um, and that's part of that's, you know, maintaining a healthy body weight. And so I don't think there's anybody out there, there's not enough people out there that know how to engineer proper performance, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say performance, I'm not talking just about athletes. I'm talking about how do you optimize what you do as a person? How do you get yourself to this level where you're firing on all cylinders, just like a, like a Formula One, you know, right. race car, right? I mean, it, it's what, what do they do to get it to the point where it actually can operate like that? Why can't our bodies be like that? They mm -hmm. can, it's just that we downgrade it. We, you know, we think that they're always going to be there to help us. And so you have to take care of it. You have to, you know, be it's, you know, you have to be a steward of your own body. Mm -hmm. And, and when you do it, you can, it's amazing what you can do. Like you can pretty much, you can stop aging. You can slow it down. Like you don't have to get older. You don't have to like, are you actually a hundred you know? years old? Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what you're telling me? Well, you know, it's funny because they, they know like, for example, mm -hmm. like centurions, right. Mm -hmm. They know that they have very, very low levels of of body of major aging markers, mm -hmm. major inflammatory markers. Centurions carry very low levels of those markers, right? So we all know, I mean, this is not, we're not, most people nowadays understand that everything, disease or, or, or you know, any kind of health issue is usually tied to inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you look at people that get older, I mean, they have, you know, Genetically, they, they, they obviously have some things on their side, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's really the, the environment, right? And we call that our epigenomics, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or our epigenetics that really influence how our DNA gets revealed, right? And so once we can own that, I think, as, as society, that we actually have control, that, that our DNA doesn't control us, we control the DNA, that, that our decisions every day, lifestyle-related, all impact how those get expressed, right? Mm -hmm. So if I want to get bigger and stronger and faster, yeah, I may have some genetic variances that allow me to, to be able to tap into those kind of real attributes. But at the end of the day, um, 
you know, I have to put the hard work in, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, sometimes, you know, it comes easier for others than, and versus, you know, if I'm born with, uh, you know, with a few setbacks or it does, but it doesn't mean that I have to realize, right? Um, all that I've been genetically programmed to do, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I think that's the, that's where we're pushing now is we're, we're getting to this point where, you know, we're going to be able to personalize what we do, customize what we do mm-hmm. to a level like we've never seen before. And you're seeing it with, you know, the advancement of, you know, our, uh, quantification, uh, you know, technologies, right. They're, mm-hmm. they're allowing us to elevate. Some people are saying it's adding more stress. Well, it, 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 it can be mm-hmm. right. Because, but I think the things that are adding stress are the things that are making things too goddamn convenient, so right? Like when, when you like say a laptop. <laughs> so, okay. So there's ton to yeah. unpack there. I'm going to try and remember all the points that I mentally took yeah. along, along yeah. that way, but there was yeah. a, a lot of all the things that I want to talk about yeah. captured within the, the last couple of minutes of what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. firstly, just on that, let me clarify when people say that adding all these metrics, these quantifications, they're saying that it stresses people out. Is that because they're saying that always thinking about it is stressing you out more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the reason? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of it. I think, I think that's uh, like saying like, monitoring your bank account is stressing you out because you know how little money you have like it, it doesn't matter if it stresses you out or not you need to know it's, it's a great analogy it's, <laughs> it's a great analogy and, and I think um, I think we're looking at it the wrong way I think mm. I think what what we're, we're we're always looking for objectivity right I mean even in sport like you know it, it's like hey can you remove the subjectivity of this because mm-hmm. I really want to take out your internal bias mm-hmm. right and and just look at objectively what's happening and so I think it's marrying the two up. It's marrying this idea of like, can I get objective information? And then can I marry that up with my own intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to discount the fact that health, a big part of health is your own level of intuition. But the more that you become divorced from, you know, listening to your own intuition in your own body, um, you know, it's, we call it, it, it's it's actually a technical term. It's called interceptive awareness, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a level of interceptive awareness, you actually plug and play and hack your body so that you can get yourself back to where you need to be, right? Right. And I think, you know, that needs to be taught at a very early age. Like if you're trying to teach that to somebody at age 28 or 30 or 35 and they've got this history of baggage, it's it's a much more, it's a steeper climb. But, right. You know, the longer a habit the builds best, up for, the harder it is to break, right? Absolutely, right? And and I think, um, you know, this is this is stuff that that needs to be, um, you know, married up in balance, right? So when we use quantification, we need to be able to, you know, I mean, I, I'm just going to like jump right into something that I think is really fascinating, which is that they're now linking 10,000 steps as, as the primary risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Like, um, you know, there's probably physicians out there thinking, what the hell, you know, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is that they're now, because of all the, the Fitbit and all the, the, the data metrics that are existing about how much people are moving, mm-hmm. they're actually now able to now tie the fact that if you do not step a certain distance, mm-hmm. that you are at greater risk, significantly greater risk for cardiovascular disease. And and so this is, this is the whole data world that's really starting versus going, hey, you know what, you've got high blood pressure. Yeah. You're at risk. That's one of the five risk factors for uh, cardiovascular disease. And so if you got you've got to mitigate that. But mm-hmm. that's getting backpedaled out into into, you know, how active you are, how much how much you're actually moving your body. Right. And when you don't move, we've always known that exercise is important, but I'm saying we're getting to the point now where data is now helping us say, hey, look, yeah. you're because I mean you're gonna see insurance companies going, geez, if you're not 
if you're not willing to wear a Fitbit and give us that data, mm-hmm. then you're going to basically pay a higher premium, right? right? Especially if you're in your 60s when the when the life insurance policies are significantly higher in terms mm-hmm. of cost because you've got increased risk towards all these diseases, right? So, so. It, almost by having more of ability to measure and um, and quantify, it's allowed us to pull pull back from the micro and look at more of a macro correlation and just saying, hey, like aside from how many you know, exercise five times a week, 30 minutes a day, all, mm-hmm. all that aside, if you get your 10,000 steps, chances are you're, you're trending in a good direction for overall physical well-being and health. Yeah. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, I mean, it's, you know, you can't oversimplify, but the, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is mm-hmm. the fact that how data is changing how we consider risk, right? Mm-hmm. And so now they can actually go as far as saying, you know, if you're not taking 10,000 steps daily, that you are at significantly greater risk, mm-hmm. right? So, imagine the impact on 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 insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, imagine the impact. Like for example, if I'm a doctor and I'm supposed to be helping you with your wellness, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that you're not active enough, right? I can pull that statistical information out, and I can mm-hmm. I can hopefully maybe get your attention. I don't know. It, it it's it's just that I'm just illustrating. I think the fact that you know that data is becoming our friend in a lot of ways if it's used if it's used correctly and I think where the stress points come is that we're we're, we're the society where we become overwhelmed by you know too much information and right and so especially if you uh, fall behind a little bit you know like if yeah. you're if you're not someone who's used to technological advances mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden you're saying oh I need to mm-hmm. put my Apple watch on and put my aura yeah. ring on and track this and track that mm-hmm. and my sleep and my HRV all these things it, I'm sure it can be mm-hmm. overwhelming but you know to have people that are mm-hmm. able to um, sort of distill that info down and say like look here's here's all the major things that you need to be worried about Mm -hmm. um and you know keep in mind that all these specific measurements from a macro level is is more just about being Mm -hmm. active and and taking care of yourself yeah like i mean and and you know we talk about it like in terms of not lifestyle but lift style lift style meaning meaning that you're lifted, it's, it's easier. Your lifestyle is easier right. because of all this technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a car, you have a, you know, you, you sit at a computer and you stare at the computer and so you don't have to go to, you don't have to walk to a meeting or you, you know, you, you can pretty much have your own home office, right? So you mm-hmm. don't even need to leave the compound of your house if you if you so choose, right? You got Uber like Eats we're, and, and we're becoming more, dishes. We're becoming more insulated, right? Mm-hmm. We're becoming more disconnected. And so, but that's creating a lot of other problems as well. Like, you know, you're starting to see, you know, I mean, whether it's being reported more, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's any secret that you know, anxiety and, and and depression are rampant in our society, right? I mean, everybody's afflicted indirectly or directly with with that with those issues, and so you might be able to build a pretty strong case that um, with the younger generation that the fact that they're on their Instagram and that there's such an obsessive nature about the phone and the smartphone and the technology mm-hmm. and the information that gets poured through that that it's creating all kinds of you know, mental health issues relative to um, how that's impacting your overall wellness, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I, it, the one thing that, that we drive into when we talk about pillars around, around wellness, right, is mm-hmm. social connectivity. Social connectivity is considered the new health H to H, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know that when you touch, like, so I'm not going to touch you because that would be kind of weird. You go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. But, but if, I touch your, if I touch your arm, yeah. Shane, then, um, you know, unless you have an issue with it. But for the most part, uh, you think about a massage, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that we like the feeling of a massage? Well, 
interestingly enough, there's a receptor in the skin, right? Uh, and, and it's called a Paxinian corpuscle, right? Mm -hmm. And that sends a signal to a, an area of the brain, right? Called the nucleus acumen. And in there, that's where you're stimulating a, you know, all these different certain, uh, 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 dopaminergic and serotonergic pathways, right, mm -hmm. that help create feel-good hormone, right? So right. serotonin is, a, is an important hormone. So we know that the act of, of, of being touched or, or social connectivity, right, has this incredible um, impact on our, on our biochemistry, but our physiology. Mm -hmm. And so just by simply being around people, right, it can change your quality of life. So um, I don't know if you're aware of this statistic, but uh, one of the major determinants of wellness is social connectivity mm -hmm. in most developed nations. So statistically, they're able to show that people that are isolated mm -hmm. actually have a lower quality of life based on the metrics that they're using to determine this. Right. So, I mean, I would take that and I would say, what is the application to that for a hockey team? Mm -hmm. What's the application of that? as a performance coach trying to help engineer better wellness for somebody, right? Like I could be drilling you with exercise, but not even getting at the root cause of what might make a significant impact to your life, mm -hmm. which is, dude, you just need to get a massage, man. Like, right. You know, I'm saying that's how simple it could be. And it's because people lack um, uh, a connection, a deep connection mm -hmm. to everything. And, and I think technology is somehow can be can be doing that you're getting to the point now where people are spending such large amounts of times on their computers on their phones mm -hmm. um, as a way to make them feel better mm -hmm. make themselves feel better but but what they're winding up with is a real lack of connection and that lack of connection can be proven as I just pointed out through basic biochemical changes in the body like you think about all the neuropeptides that change mm -hmm. relative to how your body is being influenced right by its environment and it's pretty overwhelming when you start thinking about all these pillars that you're lining up to try to help change somebody's quality of life or experience, right? Mm -hmm. So when a business says, we're going to focus on the customer experience, right, or the guest experience, the reason they do that is because if I make that person feel good, right, it, it, it translates into a feel-good, happy hormone mood, mood adjustment mm -hmm. that makes them feel good about our product or our service or whatever it is that we're doing. And, but but they're getting the benefit because they're actually feeling better. Mm -hmm. So that's how that's how uh, granular we need to look at wellness because mm -hmm. you know and and then but it's all tied back to performance right. and optimization because it it you don't just have to drill somebody to make them better, mm -hmm. right? Well, and, and that's I, the new passion, right? And, like, like, and it's also you know it's it's demonstrated that helping other people tends to take the focus off yourself and it makes you feel better. It's sort of that that um, it's contagious. Yeah. It's yeah, it's that sort of the unselfish uh, yeah. selfish gesture, right? It's like yeah. well, if I do something to totally yeah. altruistic for yeah. you, but I still get pleasure yeah. out of it, is that actually a, an mm -hmm. altruistic gesture or not? But if we're all doing that for each other, then it's constantly mm -hmm. bringing bringing each other up, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what you said is bang on with with social connectivity. Like mm -hmm. we have that superficial level of interaction where you're connected now electronically to more people than you've ever been in the past but is it that true you know mirror neuron biochemistry chemistry yeah. connection you know where you actually get i like i just i think about it in my own life mm -hmm. like anytime i go for a coffee with someone that i really resonate with or have a you know really good discussion i leave that like like floating on cloud nine i'm just like buzzing with energy because yeah. of 
because of that connection, connectivity, yeah. yeah, because of yeah. the way the way you guys you, you line up with the other person, your kind of brains start firing on the same same wavelength, and totally. something about that feels good, yeah. even if you're having a disagreement, right? Like yeah. you know, a constructive disagreement, and you mm-hmm. both don't agree on exactly the same points, but you still leave it saying, you know, I'm better off for having had that discussion. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting it's an interesting um, you know case that you make. And it's an interesting holistic look at mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. So that's a great tie-in to Archetype and and the new facility. Which um, well, I'm just I'm just looking on my phone here because uh, what I wanted to kind of throw it to your listeners yeah. is is this I think one of the best books and one of the best piece of advice that I could give you is get the happiness advantage. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just looking for the author's name. Is that Jonathan Hype? No. That, that's the Happiness Hypothesis. Yeah. But the Happiness Advantage. Um, was written by a researcher from Boston University, and uh, but anyways, you, you'll find the name. But Sean Aker, Sean Aker, yeah, Sean A C H O R. Yeah, is it Sean Anker, Anker, or Aker? there's no N yeah. in it, so Aker, yeah. I guess. So, anyways, what what I would say is that he's got a very interesting approach to 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 what makes you happy, and I think we always had this mindset that uh, you know that 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 if I succeed at something, then I'll be happier. Mm-hmm. And his whole book and premise to the book is really based on this idea that you're happy first, right? Mm-hmm. And then you achieve what you want to achieve in your life, right? And so, um, and, and he's got obviously a number of principles. He's got seven principles that I think apply to mm-hmm. how he uh, makes lays this claim. And, so he's saying and, that happiness precedes meaningful work. Correct. Well, not meaningful work. I would say like what we would typically say, which, which we would typically like success. Let's 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 attach it to success. I think okay. that's how he would frame it. So okay. so what he's saying is that you know happiness is not preceded by success. So your example of success might be making a hockey club mm-hmm. or um, you know making a lot of money or becoming a millionaire or or, or I don't know reinventing something or whatever. Uh, and and what he would say is he says that that's that's not how happiness is created mm-hmm. right uh true happiness is 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 much much more complicated than that mm-hmm. and so what he goes through is basically a whole uh, it's basically there's seven major principles that he focuses in on mm-hmm. and he talks about you know uh, he talks about happiness as being the the first principle mm-hmm. and what it does to the body right so he lays that argument down but anyways not to get too far into his book but um, I, I think that's a great resource for anybody who's really trying to understand the social because he talks a lot about social connectivity mm-hmm. and how important that is to uh, anti-aging right mm-hmm. or to quality of life or performance right so just take somebody who's got terrible off-ice habits right why do they have off why do they have bad off-ice habits because they're masking for something else right they're, they're unhappy when people are unhappy mm-hmm. they don't perform well mm-hmm. right and so you know, if you haven't dealt with unhappiness, everything that you're doing about that is 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 masking, you know, an underlying problem. And so, you know, you can sugarcoat it for however length of time you want, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you got to get to the root of why it is that you may not be happy. So, yeah. But but it is a perform. My my point is is that, like, this is a performance metric, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 has to that has to be part of an overall strategy. So when you think about how we heal, right, or how we get better, mm-hmm. right? Like, we were not thrown on this earth to all live in isolation. Mm-hmm. We were meant to be social, right? Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, that, that piece has to be tied in. And if it's not, like, you know what it's like, if you have to go to work every day, if you have to go and play with people who you hate, mm-hmm. right? Like how, what, what's, I mean, what's the quality of that going to be like, right? Yeah, well, there's, so, there's, you know, there's interesting things. I think, firstly, I think happiness, to me, happiness is a byproduct. Happiness is a byproduct of, of it seems weird, but we all, I feel like we all intuitively know right or wrong and when you're doing the right things in life. And, and I think happiness comes as a byproduct of what doing what you deem as the right things in life. So you pick a goal, you pick a target, yeah. and you start doing the things that are going to get you closer to that target. And, you know, a meaningful target wouldn't be, I want to be happy and rich. A meaningful target right. might be, uh, more likely is I have, you know, I do work that positively impacts other people's life. And, and makes a difference um, for others. And again, it get, comes back to that sort of altruism and, and helping other people and how that's reflective on your overall overall wellness and, and mm-hmm. happiness and, mm-hmm. and well-being. Well, just imagine, if you're, just imagine if you're like not managing stress, you're mm-hmm. stressed out. Like how happy are you? Mm-hmm. Like really? I mean, you know, I mean, you can get into that. And so well, let's we talk, talk about stress. Talk about stress pillars. is a good yeah. example yeah. because stress, I think, gets a bad rap, right? Yeah. There's, there's yes. Stress is is in, stress. intuitively or um, in and of itself not a bad thing, right? We all yep. need stress. You need stress. You need that opposing force mm-hmm. in order to improve. Without an opposing force, you're never going to get better. Mm-hmm. Without anyone challenging your ideas, your ideas aren't going to get better. Mm-hmm. Without opposing or challenging your muscles, your fitness, your fitness is never going to get better. So, and I mean, you told me this before too. There's there's two reactions. There's distress and mm-hmm. there's eustress mm-hmm. so why don't you walk us through a little bit of your philosophy on that yeah so i mean uh stress is, you're right i mean 100 percent. you're right that that stress is needed in order to adapt right we will not i mean we are adaptive human beings right our systems were designed to be stressed mm-hmm. like there's there's no ands ifs or but we were designed to be able to you know go to here but mm-hmm. we're also designed to be able to actually get back right mm-hmm. so it's when we live in one area too long that we become dysregulated. Mm-hmm. Our systems and our body become dysregulated. And so we're always regulating that balance between, you know, are we, as we stray, you know, away from homeostasis, can we get back to homeostasis, right? And, that, and that's really at the core of the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but we now know that, that um, you know, I mean, obviously if I want to build muscle, right? I need to stress my neuromechanical system, right? Mm-hmm. I have to apply load to it because that stimulates physiology that allows me to get bigger and stronger and faster and helps me repair. And so my brain, right? Neurogenesis does the same thing. I've got to, if I want to, if I'm learning, I need to be growing, mm-hmm. you know, more gray matter and, and building up the hippocampus center yeah. in the brain. And, and so neurogenesis is a huge part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, They've shown actually doing the work and struggling to do the work is actually what creates the new right. pathways and right. and increases the myelination mm-hmm. on the neurons. Have you read the the Talent Code by Daniel yes. Coyle? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Basically, the premise of the book is that yeah. that anyone who has quote unquote natural ability, that's not really a thing. In in all likelihood, the masters have actually worked for the ten thousand hour rule. Kind of does apply. Like you have to actually go through the process of struggling to learn whether it's singing or playing an instrument right. or being an athlete playing a particular sport. You have to go through the the muscle memory of mm-hmm. the activity over and over and over again. No. And through that process, the neurons become more insulated, which allows the signals to fire more efficiently, quicker, with less interruption, um, which equates to performance. 
absolutely did i nail it <laughs> yeah no that's 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 amazing and and what's exciting about that field right mm -hmm. of, of you know you're really talking about you know how do we measure resiliency or adaptability mm -hmm. right and so uh, and stress right is necessary right mm -hmm. and so just as one kind of small example i don't want to hop around here but just as an example like for you know we would talk about the use of cold therapy mm -hmm. after somebody works out right to help buffer inflammation and blah 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 but what we learned is that when it comes to things like hypertrophy training or muscle building right or adapting to our environment um, from a physical standpoint right using cold therapy mm -hmm. right to buffer inflammation may not necessarily be the best thing because what happens when we stress the system right is that we produce obviously um, you know a cytokine response but the cytokine response is necessary in order for us to be able to adapt mm -hmm. which is to grow new proteins right to, to stimulate you know enough IGF so that we can actually regrow ourselves and and so in that respect right um, it's just I guess another example of like you know all of these things that are available to us mm -hmm. to be able to actually augment what we do mm -hmm. right become so important when we talk about this whole concept of how do you elevate performance, how do you elevate life, what kinds of things can you offer, right, that will take you to another level, right? And so we are, I mean, really vested right now in the industry in, in something called hormetic stress, right? Mm -hmm. And hormetic stress is really just using things like heat or cold or uh, intermittent fasting as an example, which is stressful because you're, you're restricting calories in an effort to stimulate different genetic pathways in the body right mm -hmm. to to help uh augment uh overall total health right and 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 so and so it, it's really kind of a fascinating science because these things if employed correctly and systematically can actually elevate what you do and be and, and enable you to become more resilient uh able to uh resist um the 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 I guess the, the the downward spiral that might happen mm -hmm. um, if I choose and elect to only use one level of variability when it comes to applying stress to my body, and so um, you know when you talk about people that are involved in repetitive type things, so uh, professional is a great example of that. If I sit at a desk or if I'm having to think and, and do the same things every day, that can that can start to work against me, right? And no different from an athlete that has to go into the same environment every day and play and do the same and have the same types of stress. Mm -hmm. But when we offer something called variability, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a word that we're using these days. Is is you know the the importance of introducing variability right into our bodies so that we are able to adapt right to to our environments properly so that we get bigger and we get stronger and we get faster and more resilient and more sustainable mm -hmm. uh within our within our environment so um and and you're having things like you know um you know if you, if you talk about uh we were talking the other day you and i were talking about metabolic flexibility so right. you know using the term of flexibility i think is a great way for your viewers to understand the importance of you know um of of, of you know being able to 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 be able to go at either ends of the spectrum right um in an effort to be able to respond and react to what you're doing right mm -hmm. and so i mean the other thing we have too is is we have ways of measuring all this stuff too which is you know getting back to the objectivity of it so you, you know you talk about 
um, you know, how do we measure whether somebody is adapting well, right? right. So we use it. We use a technology. It's not a perfect science, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of arguments on both sides of the of the fence in terms of you know how you collect the information. But aside from that, um, we do use uh, a measure called heart rate variability, which really just looks at the variability within heartbeats, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at the time intervals. And I was talking to you about this the other day. Yeah. So my how, so just to yeah. jump in, like my initial thought when you said heart rate variability was that okay. It would seem to me, common wisdom would seem to me that less variability is good. A consistent heartbeat is good. However, you told me that wasn't the case. So can you explain heart rate variability? Yeah. So, I mean, just quite simply, heart rate variability is that, you know, so if your heart beats, right, that first beat might be at, if I measured the time gap, right, it might be, you know, 1.1 seconds, right? And then your next beat might be 1.2 or 1.3 seconds. And Mm -hmm. then the beat after that might be, you know, 0.9 of a second, mm-hmm. right? And so what I'm indicating though is that there's this variability between each of the each of the heartbeats, right? And and why that's important is it, it's showing that the, um, the system, right, is being controlled by different elements, right? And so, um, you know, not to get too far into the physiology of the autonomic nervous system, mm-hmm. but there is two divisions within the system, right, that regulate whether something has variability or whether it doesn't have variability. And so the vagal nerve, you know, um, comes off the cervical spine. And so it basically um, connects to, to the, the level of heart rate variability that exists in the system. And mm-hmm. so, um, so if I'm experiencing, say, a stressful event, right, mm-hmm. my physiology starts to change, but my heart, rate rhythm, my heart rate rhythm starts to change and adjust as well, right? Okay. So the simple analogy would, would be that if you all of a sudden got into an accident, well, you get out of the car and what happens? Your heart rate's elevated. Yeah. You're feeling like the pins and needles in your fingers. You're, right. you're feeling like you're you're at attention. And right? you can't, but you can't and think your clearly at the same time. You feel like jacked up, but you feel like yeah. you're you're mentally just not there. Absolutely, and and you're in more survival mode, mm-hmm. mode, right? So if you take that analogy forward and say, okay, like let's let's just imagine if every day I go to work and it's like I'm being chased by a lion or I'm just got into a car accident yeah. and I go through that every single day because of a stressful environment so I have I have no variability mm-hmm. so you know backing so, so just to connect the dots here right in terms of, of how variability plays a role in understanding where somebody's at mm-hmm. in terms of their ability to adapt to their environment is that if I take this measure at the same time right under the same conditions every single day right and so there's some technologies out there like whoop will take it you know, in the last phase of your sleep cycle, right? Okay. And so the, the thought process is that, you know, that it's a very controlled environment, right? So there's a lot of, uh, um, there's there's less variance mm-hmm. for how the measure's being be, being taken, right? I mean, obviously, if you're having a sleepless night versus the night before, it's gonna be yeah, altered slightly. I'd hope your sleep environment's controlled. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but, but there is, but it is one of the better ways of doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's probably gonna be uh, individuals that work in this space that will challenge it, but but for the most part, um, the biggest challenge is is getting the reliability in terms mm-hmm. of how you collect the information. But what's what's really cool about it, if you just look at it for what it is, mm-hmm. right, is that it does give you an indication as to how your system is adapting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, if we know that different divisions control the amount of time gap between the interval right which gives you more variability if all of a sudden i'm getting less variability so if all of a sudden i hop out of the car i just got into a bad accident Mm -hmm. there is less variability because i'm going 
you know, my, my, my heart is beating faster, mm-hmm. but it's beating with less variance, right? Yeah. Right? Like there's not as much play between the first beat, the second beat, the right. third beat. Just the consistently beat. It's just consistently away. the same beat, right? And so now we know that changes physiology, right? And biochemistry in the body. Mm-hmm. And it puts us into a very, you know, high stress state. Right. And low functionality and so, right. in that state. Yeah, low functionality. Yeah, we don't perform. Like at times, like it does get us to perform, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's necessary. Like like you are on, like you're on. Like if you're if you're public speaking or if you're doing something where you, you, you kick out cortisol, but it helps you think clear. So in smaller amounts, it can be very, very effective. You right? just don't want to overload but, the But system. if it gets too much, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get paralysis and then you can't even freaking think, yeah. right? And so it, it can work the other way as well. But um, sorry, I just want to connect the dots back because... Because with that information of variability, what you want to look at is how does that information trend out over time? Mm-hmm. So if every day I get a measure and a score, mm-hmm. right? I want to know if that score, and it's it's a simple score that that's it's basically an LN number, mm-hmm. um, which is a logarithmic number that that has been boiled down for layman's purposes okay. to be able to say like, okay, it's either an eight out of ten or a nine, you know. And so and so when I when I look at this number, I get this number, and what you're trending out is like, okay. Do I do I trend up or down? Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trending up, I'm having I'm getting more variability, which is right. good, right? So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. I'm adapting, but you can have it, it can go both ways, right? Not to complicate the matters, but if I get too much variability, I can become too sympathetic or right. too parasympathetic, right? And too parasympathetic is is often associated with things like depression. It's right. like I don't want to do anything. You're I'm like I'm just out. I'm like a blob, right? Yeah. I'm just I'm not engaged, right? Okay. So so it can go the other way. Yeah. But what you're looking for is you're looking for your signature. And you want to know, like, does this signature, right, is, is this consistent with me? And so as you go through periods of stress, right, you want to know, like, how far down do I go mm-hmm. and how long do I stay there? And if I stay there for a lengthy period of time, I need to then work on things that circumvent that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we get into this whole thing of, like, introducing hormetic stressors, right? So I can use cold therapy. I can use meditation. Mm-hmm. I can use... Uh, talking to a counselor I can use you know getting a massage I can mm-hmm. use so these are all we would call those hacks mm-hmm. but but really what they are is they're just biological um, you know for lack of a better biological hacks or intervention strategies right. that really allow you to reset your nervous system mm-hmm. right and, and reset your biological system so that it doesn't become dysregulated mm-hmm. and so dysregulation is huge in our industry right now people are walking around caffeine jacked and (laughs) and really unable to even produce and and producing too much of it at night and it's affecting sleep and if you want to talk about sleep we can talk about sleep because Mm -hmm. it's another of these pillars right that that feed into how we optimize things so it's it's um but it's it's an example of a great measure if used properly Mm -hmm. can help you understand yourself objectively right outside of the subjective so we talked about introceptive awareness where you're actually in tune with your own body mm-hmm. some people who are really good at it don't need hrv they just right. say look i'm off today and i gotta do this this and this to that's get myself super back hard on. especially with all the distractions in the world now it is right? like it's it just is. like yeah. to actually be in tune with how am i feeling right and it's, it's funny because what you're explaining is almost like a scientific avenue to explore sort of the tenets of like Taoism or Buddhism, right? That's self, or even just yeah. meditation in general. It's sort of that self. Well, they've done that to meditation. Yeah, like, it's like that self awareness yeah. of like, yeah. how am I feeling right now? What are the 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 feelings I'm experiencing? And then disconnecting from that and, mm-hmm. and understanding that the emotions, the physiological response that you're that yeah. you're experiencing, is 
only created by the story that you're telling yourself about the events that are happening around you, yeah. right? Like that's that's all it takes to sort of disconnect. And and so the you know HRV specifically as a measurement is sort of the it's the quantitative scientific analysis of like all right, how is my whole body and system responding to everything that's happening around me? And if I if I'm aware of it, if yeah. I say okay, I know what my day entailed. Mm-hmm. today and and tomorrow my my hrv is super mm-hmm. low and i know my system is stressed out yeah then i'm able to identify those things yeah and and, and i mean and, and i would just add one more thing is and i kind of alluded to it earlier but the, the other thing is like and i told you this when we had our kind of uh you know when we had our kind of meet and greet the other day summit the three, yeah the summit <laughs> meeting and and so if i'm sitting around a group of people the first thing i ask them is about their sleep mm. So, and, and when you go around the room and you start talking to people about sleep, like, but not how did you sleep last night? Mm. I want to know like how, how you slept last month. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that quality? Of, what, what's that been like? Right. Give me a number. And what you'll find is that majority of people, the proponents of people, the, the, the simple answer is not that great, mm. you know? And so for me, that's the first red flag. If you're trying to optimize what you do, because I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we spend a fair amount of time sleeping. There must be a reason why we sleep, right? And it's regenerative, right? And and sleep architecture is is hugely important in terms of us being able to optimize what we do. There it used to be a badge of honor. Like when I first started, I started working around people like Bill Comrie and all these guys that were high performing individuals. And I remember Bill used to always tell me he'd say, you know, I only sleep five hours a night. And I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. I want to be like you because you know you're very successful. You've been you know done obviously yeah. the right things. But the reality is that's not healthy, yeah. right? And, it's not because and, of that that he's successful. It's in spite of that, right? Right. Yeah. It's it, it's true. And and but I I do think that high performing individuals probably don't sleep as much because they've probably got very active minds. Mm. But what I'm saying is that everybody has kind of an ideal amount of sleep that they need to acquire, right? And you need to determine what that is. And 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 you know, and if you look at some of the research around it, I mean, they talk about seven hours, but most people do sleep seven hours but they don't get the efficiency in their sleep. Mm. And that's where you have to start looking at. So this is where the technologies become really important because now we're starting to create some awareness around like, hey, what is that quality of sleep like? And so I, I was sitting around with a group of, of uh, you know business guys and, and they were all kind of in their late 30s, creeping into 40s. And uh, we were talking about, we were talking obviously about sleep, but um, we were also talking about uh, quality of life mm-hmm. and, and how things were, you know, how things were working. and and uh, what I realized in, in the conversation is that most of these guys were actually thinking they were sleeping enough, mm-hmm. but the quality of their sleep wasn't that great because they started to ask questions about like energy levels and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, you know, diving into things like blood glucose and like some of the other markers that we know are attached to lifestyle. Right. The, these things all start to confirm out, you know, whether you've got some dysregulation happening in your body, mm-hmm. but for the most part, what I realized is that these these guys, right, are really operating at a level below where they should be, right? right? And and I think there's a large percentage of people that are functioning that way. And that's because there's just no, I mean, we have information. We got information coming out of our yin-yang, mm-hmm. but nobody's really able to connect the dots, right? What? How do you differentiate between length of sleep and quality of sleep? Okay, so you have something called sleep architecture, which okay. is all the different stages that you go through, right? Mm-hmm. And so just kind of in simple terms, as you go through, you know, every hour of sleep, right, different stages get shorter and longer, yeah. right? And so, 
as we go further into our sleep, our REM sleep becomes larger and larger. So every sleep cycle, so think of a sleep cycle as going from basically stage one, which is kind of lighter sleep, stage two, stage three, four, which is more of our deep sleep, Mm -hmm. and then into REM sleep, right? Which is where, you know, we we start to download all of our memories and all that stuff. REM sleep is, a, is obviously an important aspect of health and neuroregeneration and all that stuff. So, but it, it's the, the REM sleep portion is smaller in the early parts of sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And so more of the, uh, the stage three and four sleep is, is predominant in early parts of your sleep. So imagine if you're that person that wakes up at three o'clock, mm-hmm. right, in the morning. So if you go to bed and you've been asleep for three hours or whatever it is, four hours, right? Well, you're waking up right when you're starting to move into your REM sleep in a big way. Right. Right. So think of think of the phases of sleep. So the first, if we call it first three and a half hours, seven hours is kind of the magic number or four hours. Mm-hmm. That first three and a half hours of sleep is really focused on physiological repair. Right. And that's hormone a deeper, repair. deeper sleep. Yeah. 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 So so if I'm a gentleman and I'm getting older and I'm starting to say, yeah, you know what? I'm getting older and I just don't have as much. I just don't sleep as well. Yeah. Right. That's a good sign. If you say, I don't sleep as well, or I hear the dog, or I hear the cat, or I hear the birds outside, you don't get into stage three, four at all. Mm. Well, that's a problem because you're not producing enough testosterone. You're not producing enough hormone mm-hmm. to repair your body. So you'll start to see things like libido start to fall off. Sex drive starts to fall off. You'll start to have, you know, potentially uh, challenges with, uh, you know, uh, impotency. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you will, getting but, it, getting but, it up. But, but yeah, you know, you so these are all challenge. things, these are so, all things that we've, we've, we've just sort of um, relegated to the fact that they happen regardless. But what you're saying is sort of with more adequate sleep, you can stave them off and make yeah, it. Yeah. So, so you them. asked me the question about sleep quality yeah. versus sleep. Uh, you know, I think, well, th- there's two things, right? Quantity and quality, right? Yeah. Quantity is how long. And then obviously quality yeah. is like the, the type of sleep. So sleep quality gets altered when you wake up mm. in the middle of your sleep, or mm. let's say you'd never get into three, four, right? We now have, you know, technologies that can actually measure to a certain degree. I mean, it's always debated in terms mm-hmm. of how accurate it is, but there are some, some really good tools out there. Like the Aura Ring is, is, is considered to be one of the better ones in yep. terms of being the quote unquote gold standard. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, seems to have the greatest reliability. Okay. Um, I use the Whoop technology. Um, I've just been kind of experimenting. Yeah, it's a Whoop. What is that? W-H-O-O-P. What does it measure you with? Uh, well, the Whoop technology is kind of interesting, but... Uh, What's interesting, uh, I guess, about that is is that it it, uh, it it really provides you with kind of three major things, right? Mm-hmm. One is understanding how your sleep is. Number two is how well you're recovering, mm-hmm. and then uh, how much strain you're getting. Through, so your activity levels. Mm-hmm. So it has the Whoop technology has an accelerometer in it, mm-hmm. uh, and then it has a um, a device in there that uses a technology called photoplasmography, mm-hmm. right, to measure your heart rate. So it's really looking at the volumization of capillaries, right? Mm-hmm. And is it and a so wristband? It's, it's, yeah, it's a wristband. It's a light, and I think it's a similar technology that they use on the Apple Watch, right? Okay. So, and and it's debated, you know, in terms of whether it's like super accurate, but mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes what gets missed in the whole thing is the fact that, you know, if you start using the tool, right, it starts to become a behavioral modification tool, right? right? And I think that's really where the value is. It makes you more aware of what's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, what I like about that is, I, I like to try different technologies just because I like to be up to speed on what they offer. Of course, yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm gonna stay with Whoop for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, 
it seems to be a fairly um, consistent tool in terms of, I mean, the, the accuracy has obviously been debated, but the, it, for me, it seems to be fairly consistent for mm-hmm. my, my, my use and, and experiences that I've had with it. Okay. Um, but, but like I said, it's got an accelerometer in there, so it helps measure mechanical mm-hmm. load. Uh, it's obviously you're collecting heart rates, so you're getting information about resting pulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this all gets pushed through into an algorithm, and they've got many, many, and it's almost proprietary in a large degree, is right. it's a very competitive space. And the algorithm basically, it has actually on the on the Whoop they have something called a capacitive uh, touch, which is if the if the watch starts to sit differently on the wrist, mm-hmm. it makes an adjustment to the algorithm okay. so that it, it allows for the inaccuracy of what the 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 white light might be actually oh, shining okay. into your interesting into your skin is yeah. is is picking up. So they've they've got some of these all these safety. Um, systems in place to help help increase the accuracy of it and then basically you get like what's called a recovery score and then they tell it it actually coaches you so it'll tell you when to go to bed Mm -hmm. so it'll give you recommendation but it also (laughs) it also self-learns so it actually learns like what your lifestyle's like so if you always go to bed at 11 Mm o'clock it doesn't tell you to go to bed at 8 right Right. it tells you to go to bed at like 10 o'clock or 10 30 like it it starts to but it wants you to sleep till 8 right it's interesting so all all these predictive you know uh, quantitative measurements and everything so like in your because I know you and I have talked about the preventative aspect of health and wellness and Mm -hmm. and how you mentioned earlier you know the 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 medical system as it stands should really be sort of a last case scenario like you Mm -hmm. go if you have a broken bone or you go if you get hit with something that is completely unexpected and unavoidable you know but in your mind and this is sort of a an out there question how do you see the perfect setup of of measurement technologies informing and predicting our health um, and and influencing our choices about life well i i mean i think it would be i think it would be an overstatement if i said there's a perfect system for it but i think I think where where I see it, and, and this is a lot tied into archetype, our new concept, is I believe that what has to exist is experts in the prevention healthcare space, right? And so, but I, I like to, you know, we're 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 kind of positioning around this idea of, you know, building what are called human performance specialists, people who understand the pillars around performance, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in order to understand the pillars, you have to understand wellness, right? What makes somebody well? Mm-hmm. All that means is what makes that person get back to where they were, right? right? How, how do you get back to them? You know, endocrine system, neuromuscular system, uh, you know, physiological system. How, how do we get all of those incredible systems back to, you know, that, that original homeostatic, you know, state that they were in originally, right? Mm-hmm. When they apply stress, do they, are they able to come back? Are they robust enough to be able to actually get back? And so, um, I believe that the that the future is really in in science and and measuring that up with people who have uh, vested expertise in these in these areas and understanding how to engineer the pillars. Mm-hmm. So, to answer your question, I think that it's not that there's a perfect system. It's it's that it's that we start to go down this path of like who do I lean on to? So, if you go to your doctor now, and, I, and I'm not in the business of trying to bad you know, slight doctors. I'm just saying that the healthcare system is set up and, and I've been through the system myself and, and I know, so I know what it's like and, and these are people that are motivated to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're, you're getting in order of 10 to 15 minutes with this person mm-hmm. and then they have to be able to intake all that information 
and they have to be able to get you from point A to point B in a very short order. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have the time to be able to spend and really understand how your lifestyle may be impacting you, right? So they look to obviously pharmacology and blood work and, and referring you out to mm -hmm. specialist people that may have more focus or expertise in one area. But I think, I think that the focus has to be really largely built around prevention care and, and experts in what's called human performance, right? And we need to elevate those people to the degree that they understand the pillars, but that those people, right, can actually provide you with great expertise and great knowledge and, and great guidance in this area of how to elevate things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I believe that that's, that's the direction, that's the future. And that needs to be um, continually pushed, right? That needs to be continually pushed in, in the direction that, that we're, we're currently not really doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all being, I mean, it's, it's being done at the private sector level, but the problem is, is when you hire somebody like that, it's expensive. It's an expensive proposition. So I don't know if people really understand the value proposition behind that. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you could go to somebody and what they do is they download your entire lifestyle. Yeah. And in your lifestyle, it's basically just intaking information. How do you sleep? Mm -hmm. How do you do this? What do you eat? What do you do in the morning? Mm -hmm. Tell me about your habits. What's your stress levels like? Let's measure it. Let's monitor it. Let's track it all. And you start building up all these pillars. And you start to say, okay, look, we're starting to connect the dots. We want to measure this a little bit more because we're not sure that we're getting the right information here. Mm -hmm. So that's where you start to employ technologies. And you're in the business of actually managing that person's lifestyle. And that's because that's what we do with athletes. Mm -hmm. that, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. That is what's happening right now in the space is that that gets done at a high performance level, right? And so we're curious about all that. So, but why are we not doing that at the high performance level? That's, yeah. that's my big question. Mm -hmm. And why are we not funding that more? Because that to me is the future in terms of how you aggregate all this information and make sense of it in an effort to get people something that is actually helpful to them, right? Mm -hmm. Because going from here and going from there and going to this guy, going to this guy, it really doesn't, it, it, it's not helpful, right? And so as an example, like, uh, you know, if, if you get injured, let's say you hurt your knee or you hurt your leg or your whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if you go to a physiotherapist, right, that, that, may, be, that, that may be a great step. Mm -hmm. But I, I visualize a day where people know how to engineer their own recovery mm -hmm. because they learn how to take care of their body, right? Like I don't go to physiotherapists because... And, and, and that's not because I don't like physiotherapists, it's because I feel like the information that they're going to provide me with is going to be stuff that I'm going to have to do on my own because they can't babysit me on it. Yeah. Right? They can't, the things that I'm going to need to do every day to heal my body, to augment my tissues, mm -hmm. is, is going to be necessary in order for me to be able to actually heal my host. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, and so, and so what, what's really needed is people that understand everything, right? Mm -hmm. And be able to deliver a, you know, a, a coaching strategy for that person that really allows them to augment where they're at right now. Right. So it's really like what you need in a perfect world is the marriage of, of um, medical, medical health care, um, statistics, mm -hmm. and geneticists, right? Like you need, you need mm -hmm. to kind of be able to take in all these factors, analyze it on the meta level compared mm -hmm. to, um, you know, prevalence of disease and disorders within specific populations and, and see how that all stacks up against your life to show like, look, 
you have an accurately, we can estimate 20% chance of developing, um, uh, you know, a heart disorder in the next 25 years of your life, unless mm-hmm. you substantially increase your, your uh, daily output or your step, step mm-hmm. count, for example. Um, because, you know, we have the tools available, but it just seems like no one's put it all together, right? Mm-hmm. And if I understand it, this is sort of what you're trying to do at Archetype. It's mm-hmm. help people inform them so that they're more aware, so that they can be more selective with their decisions, right? It's Yeah, I, I think I would just add one thing, which is that, look, I mean, it, it, it's when, when you talk about, you know, trying to trying to do this stuff, it it's it's not about you have all the answers right now. Mm-hmm. It's about, do you have the structures in place to be able to take on or onboard new information? So for example, as genomic data starts to become um, a um, widely accepted uh, science that may be helpful in certain aspects of how we can manipulate lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? So it may change the information that we give somebody about, hey, you know what? I think you should maybe try to cut back on your caffeine intake because you're not a great metabolizer of caffeine, right? right? It's just a simple example, right? I think when we can start to take that information and start to apply useful lifestyle uh, adaptations mm-hmm. to to augment people's overall well-being, then I think that becomes that becomes important. But it's not like everything's going to happen today or tomorrow. Yeah, of it's course. that there's this slow onboarding of information and yeah. we gain a better understanding. Like like if I think about our knowledge of how just exercise alone has grown in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. I mean, it's infinite, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people would say, ah, oh, you know, exercise is still the same as it always has been. You know, people are still running. Yeah, they are. But we also understand like other aspects of it in terms of movement and what happens in terms of neuromechanical system and load. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we definitely, we're, we're constantly evolving in terms of our information. But what I'm, what I'm talking about is, is, is like, if, for example, if you look at say the full service healthcare industry right now, uh, or health club industry right now, it's pretty generic. Mm-hmm. They offer you access to fitness and equipment, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that when are we going to start building facilities, right, that help people optimize their life? Mm-hmm. And if you only focus on like $19.95 is the membership price mm-hmm. and they're going to give you access to 650 million different pieces of equipment, mm-hmm. right, that 90% of them you don't even know what they're intended to do and they have nothing to do use, with function, nor use. right? But, 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 and no focus on lifestyle other than just this fitness piece, right? Mm-hmm. I'm saying that that's got to change, right? Because that's not the solution for long-term health, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the solution for performance, right? And so the, the nature of how we build and how we do things has to slowly evolve into where we're actually, you know, we're actually caretaking people's wellness or caretaking the information that people have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we haven't even talked about nutrition, but if you just go simply into nutrition, I mean, there are 50 million different types of diets that are out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that anybody that I know that's healthy, any any trainer or any, they don't follow specific diet programs. Mm-hmm. They follow basic rules, right? They follow habits, they build habits, mm-hmm. and they understand that too much of this is not a great thing right and so they balance it out there's there's not this 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 focus on and so what i'm saying is that you need to be in front of people who understand how to connect all the dots mm-hmm. and be able to pull information in as a way to help you understand more about you right 
and use technologies and understand what those technologies are. So if it is genomic information, it's genomic information. If it's ordering uh, blood work or if it's ordering metabolic maps, right, in an effort to understand where levels are in your body, right, um, then, then so be it. In an effort to help you understand what lifestyle changes you may need to make in order to actually improve your overall if it's well-being or if it's where you're optimal right. or if it's performance, whatever it is, everything gets enhanced because of it. And so it's not really about, it's not about having it all figured out right now. It's about having the structure in place, mm -hmm. right? Having the industry set up so that these people are able to dispense information that allows you to actually alter your lifestyle in the right way for you, mm -hmm. right? Instead of just saying, hey, you should try this diet yeah. or you know what? I know you're struggling with exercise. You should try this exercise versus like, hey, what other things are going on? Like if I've got, you know, if I've got rheumatoid arthritis and I'm starting an exercise program, I mean, maybe I need to take a look at my environment. Like maybe right. I need to take a look at what's going on in my life first <laughs> before I start adding more stress right. right into the system. I need to think about it. And that's why you need that expert because that person will help you connect the dots, mm -hmm. right? Because they're gonna sit you down and ask you about your life. Mm -hmm. And when does a doctor ever do that? Yeah, I mean, they don't they have don't. the time, they don't have the they resources. Have, it's not the their capacity. fault, they don't have the time. Yeah. They, they just simply don't have the time. But if I take an antidepressant, right? It will certainly help me with my symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. But then how long do I stay on this for? Right. If I don't make, if, if, if all of a sudden my symptoms go away, where do you think my motivation level is to actually change my habits? Right. Zero. Yeah. Right? And so if I give you this, it makes you do this, right? Mm -hmm. So. But you also, and you but, also need to focus on the cause, the root cause of the problem, right? For some people exactly. that, that, that medication buys them enough time to address the cause. But unless you have that full coverage plan of, of the, the symptom and mm -hmm. the cause, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. If you're highly motivated, because mm -hmm. think about it, if, if, if you get injured and then somebody gives you something and then you're healed or you feel better, mm -hmm. then you immediately go, well, frick, I'm not going to go do this, this, and this. I'm not going to change the way I eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's got to be Why would I do that? Yeah. Right? Consequences, right? Right. It's interesting how the, the philosophy sort of mirrors the physiology, right? Like, so we can yep. talk about how stressing the system to in a controlled way actually benefits the system and causes yep. you to improve. Yeah. But it's it just seems so intuitively philosophically speaking that stressing yourself in controlled situations builds you up as a stronger person both physically and mentally right the more challenges you're you're faced with and that you overcome and you succeed and mm -hmm. the the more you're able to take on mm -hmm. and it it seems like you know the the, the tenets that we talked about at the beginning resiliency mm -hmm. and grit mm -hmm. are so important because life seems to be built around convenience everyone is trying to keep us as close to homeostasis as possible you know whether it's convenience and in, in everything food delivery and and everything in life i don't need to list them all and but i think that that's what the i mean when you think about the navy seals that's mm -hmm. sort of how they're trying to prepare mm -hmm. a navy seal right because they know that in order to be battle ready they got to be resilient mm -hmm. right if you get caught behind enemy lines if you get stuck you got to be able to get out, right? Mm -hmm. They can't always necessarily come and get you, right? They've got to, you've got to be able to survive long enough for them to build it. But so, you know, I mean, that's kind of maybe a simple analogy for it. But, you know, even those individuals have problems. Like I, I listened to uh, 
what the heck was his name? Uh, it was a sleep expert who uh, actually does a lot of work for the Navy SEALs. And, you know, he talked about how, you know, rampant the sleep issues were. Oh, yeah, because they're big on sleep deprivation. Right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think just the nature of the work, like mm-hmm. that, you know, that there's, but also stress, like there's a tremendous amount of stress, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't deal with stress, it'll deal with you, right? And so, so that, that, you know, they were talking, you know, he, he talked extensively about, you know, the impact of the neurocortex, right? In terms of like how that impacts your ability to actually stimulate the key areas within the hypothalamus that, you know, the SCN that, that uh, helps you uh, uh, endogenously produce the right amounts of GABA or melatonin mm-hmm. and how you need certain nutrients in order to be able to have all this happen. But if your neocortex is, is activated, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's like, you know, if it's, it's, so the neocortex is basically your sensory system. It in, intakes all your, right. your sensory information. Yeah. So if you're, if you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking about 50 million different things, your neocortex is like, mm-hmm. it's, it's going a mile a minute. So how much GABA do you think you're producing in order to be able to go to sleep? Like your hypothalamus is not, is not producing GABA, right? And, and that would and be so, why people have trouble falling asleep if their brains are going. Correct. Okay. And so, so then you stay awake, yeah. right? And then, and you don't, and so you basically it becomes blocked, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't produce enough melatonin, you don't produce enough GABA. And so um, it's a catch 22. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyways, he was talking about how, you know, he saw even uh, blood sugar issues with a lot of the, the seals, right? Mm-hmm. And that's interesting too, because blood sugar issues usually creep in when you're producing way too much cortisol, right? Mm-hmm. So cortisol will create blood sugar instability. So when you sleep at night, blood sugar should be should be falling off but right. if you're if you're thinking about something and you're pumping out all this cortisol your butt your body's kicking your liver's kicking out glucose right, right. which is elevating blood sugar and mm-hmm. and so you're 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 sort of like diabetic mm-hmm. right pre-diabetic and uh and so glycemic variability right in this particular case is not great when it's being produced at the wrong time so then elevated blood sugar is also tied to health right so you know we can go into all that but but the, but that was a marker that they were looking at. Testosterone was a marker that they were looking at. Growth hormone levels was a marker that they were looking at. And so, you know, and we talked about like the hormetic stressors that can help circumvent this. Like for example, cold therapy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Can actually elevate GH release, mm-hmm. right? After after you've exposed yourself to, sorry, not cold, but heat, mm-hmm. right? Gets, gets elevated, growth hormone gets elevated. Um, post, uh, you know, like for example, uh, sitting in a sauna for 19 minutes, right, right. will help stimulate uh, an elevation in growth hormones. So then you think about like, okay, that that's that's really great because you know I, I would like to be able to really help heal my body faster. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of being able to use something that really helps augment your overall level of well-being, but mm-hmm. also getting you back, as you said, getting you back to you know where you are in homeostasis again right right so so the key is, is building up that resiliency and grit but in a controlled environment so much that and and recovering properly from it so don't do it as intensely as the seals but yeah. also don't try and live an easy life right yeah. like we don't want society to become society life isn't yeah. going to become easier yeah we just need to become better and stronger yeah. people well and a lot of times like in in pro sports like i i knew this guy that interviewed his name's cal Dietz. he's quite well known in the industry and he was telling me that he interviewed for the Patriots, I think, for as a strength and conditioning coach. And one of the questions that was asked was by Belichick was, you know, hey, uh, uh, don't tell me to uh, not practice my players or undertrain my players, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do these things. So what are you, how are you going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting question because 
you get that a lot in in I, I want to I want to practice players right. So then the challenge becomes as a as a conditioning expert or as a high performance expert to deal with the fact that the players have an exorbitant amount of you know activity that's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's where you go back and you say, hey, look, like on this day, right? Rather than do this, why can't we insert this? Because when we look at you know how the players are adapting over the course of the week right it makes more sense to do that thing that you want to do right here right yeah. and then they are stronger and they'll be better so if you want to work more on skill it's better to do it midweek right than at the beginning on monday because it just came off you know sunday night and right blah 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 so it, it, it's just common sense stuff but it's it's just uh it's really interesting though how you know you do like you were trying to think nail down this idea that like we got to walk around with kid gloves with people. No, mm-hmm. and you want to be the whole goal to being optimized is you want to be able to handle a shit ton of stress. Yeah, like you want to be able to be resilient, mm-hmm. and and being like as we say, soft as puppy shit doesn't doesn't help anybody accomplish anything. If you can't do stuff mm-hmm. right because you're breaking down, then how's that helping you get squeeze the most out of life? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's about it's about building a body mm-hmm. using the hacks that. Um, that we know are beneficial, but listening to your intuition, listening, interceptive awareness, right? To allow you to be able to squeeze everything you can out of your day, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and maximize your potential. And when you do that, you're unlimited, right? <laughs> what drives you, what drives you to keep going, to keep pursuing and not sort of resting on, you know, specific accomplishments from the past? Like, you know, obviously, archetype archetype yeah. is a is a big ambitious project, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure you know. You said you've been working on it for three years now. Yeah. Um. And so it's it must be great to see something come to fruition. But I mean, like, mm-hmm. have you able been able to discern like what internally is the force that's driving you? Like, well, I I think what always drives me is I guess more the I mean not that this is probably any different than anybody else, but this idea of being curious, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think I think it's I think it's also growing and learning and like it's all those things tied together. It's like, um, and and then I think that fuels your passion in terms of like what gets you up in the morning and what makes you want to want to want to do a better you know be better and and mm-hmm. do more and all these things. And so um, it, it gets your your life kind of gets easy. I mean it's 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 definitely stressful at times because it's it's never uh, like it's never like this big high. There's always the ups and downs, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the thing that drives me is is um, you know, like years ago when I started the first personal training studio, what drove me was like this idea that we could create something that didn't really exist, and and then we did it, and mm-hmm. then it's like wow, this is unbelievable. And then I kept adding layers to it, like I got into you know the hockey conditioning and like high performance market, and then became a high performance, uh, like became a head strength and conditioning coach. So I constantly. I, I love this idea. Of, I, I do use this word a lot, which is reinventing myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really, I think what dri- should drive people is this idea that can I reinvent myself in ways that, you know, allow me to continually grow and, and, and get and get bigger and get stronger mm-hmm. and and find, you know, better ways to help, right? I think at the end of the day, if you, if you can impact a, you know, if you can impact a larger audience of people, then it's it's significantly rewarding, but at the same time, it's like it's like you get to learn and grow and 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 make the mistakes, but at the same time, be able to learn from those mistakes and make it better than what it was when you first started, right? right. And I think that's what re- really drives me is is 
this idea that you know you can reinvent what you're doing and, and make it better and make it more accessible to people and find a bigger bigger and better way to do stuff right, right. so I think I think that's what drives me and an archetype is just a reflection of that right well it seems to me that we all everyone likes to watch a high performer it doesn't matter what they're a high performer at mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if they're an athlete yeah or you know a dishwasher yeah. a cook whatever it is if you're watching someone who's the best at what they do it's captivating yeah right and you enjoy it and you enjoy watching it i think i always think of the um the fish throwers in the seattle fish markets down at the wharf like yeah. they're whipping fish across like you know 100 yeah. feet and they're catching and packaging up chopping yeah. them up really quick mm-hmm. and that's just captivating like it draws crowds because mm-hmm. people love watching them at the peak performance mm-hmm. um point and so to me what seems obvious is wouldn't you want to create more of those yeah imagine with what you do that you're able to raise the level of everyone that you that you yeah. touch right? yeah and I, I just know my own life experience, like I've operated at a very base level of just getting by, mm-hmm. barely getting by, and sometimes not getting by. Yeah. And, and then, you know, over the last few years, I, I've seen this increase in performance based on things that I've done and less so, less so physically because I've always worked out, but more so mindset in yeah. terms of changing the way I'm thinking and changing those thought patterns mm-hmm. because I think that's so vital in in the way that you think about life and and reframing what's important to you Mm -hmm. and reframing also what you think you're capable of yeah i I come in contact with a lot of people who don't think that they can do more than what they're doing and you know it's hard because yeah people people really don't listen to what you tell them (laughs) like like you need to be able to have them come come to their either show them yeah without telling them directly or or allow them to come to their own conclusions based on things that you might line up for them right yeah yeah so it's you know you don't don't convert people it's people come to it on their own time yeah exactly and i think it's about just living what you do i i i uh, totally resonate with what you're saying in terms of you know that that uh you you can't you can't convince people like you know people will come you know and when their time like there's a number of things that have to happen in order for somebody's antenna to go up Mm -hmm. and ask a question or be aware and if you happen to be in the right spot at that time and you're offering a piece then the antenna will go oh you know uh, this is what i'm looking for and 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 i think you know we're always searching Mm -hmm. but but as soon as you start trying to like convince somebody that something is right it's like you're digging you're digging a deep, it's positional arguing a deep, right a deep ditch right? yeah and you've got your spot they've got their spot and there's a gap between you and it's and very hard not, and they will not like if anything they'll probably work more to defend their own position and, yeah and and so i i have learned that over the years but but um but part of that mistake too is like you're so passionate about what you do that you, yeah. you think that you know and then you have to kind of back yourself up too right because Sometimes you need to like step back and see the big picture, not the mm-hmm. the finite picture that you're that you're looking at. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. I mean, you know, and we're, we're all this, like we're, we're really all want the same things. Like we're not, you know, yeah. we're really not that complicated. We all want to make a difference, I think, mm-hmm. and we all want to pursue something that we you know have a deep connection to. And we're also and, all scared of failing. And we're all scared. Of, yeah, we're hundred percent afraid afraid to fail mm-hmm. to the degree that it does alter how we do things and we get worried about our securities losing our securities and all that stuff so i mean those things are always going to be there for us but being aware of it is one way to sort of help navigate around it and 
recognize that sometimes you got to kind of lean into things a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, take that risk or take that opportunity to kind of pursue what you, you know, what you think is important for you at this, at, at this time. And, and a lot of times people ask me too about like things like, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you find passion? Right. And, and I, I always think, I don't think you can go out with this idea of like being passionate. I mean, maybe passionate for learning, but mm-hmm. then I, I don't know if like you can necessarily say, Hey, you know what? I want to be a, you know, a golf pro, right? Mm. That's, that's going to be my path, right? You might start doing that and realize like there's so many things about it that just don't connect with you. Right. Mm. And, and so I think it's about searching, learning and, and, and trying things. And then when you catch fire or something, mm-hmm. look out cause there's your passion, right? Yeah. And, and it starts to really, it really starts to speak to you. And so, um, but I, I do think though that the, the big thing is when you can make a big impact with people, that's when I think you really get on fire. Like where, where, and, and you were asking me about archetype and I, I just feel like I'm at a point where I'm sitting on something that I think, I, I, I don't want to say that nobody's talking, no, nobody's talking about this, but it, it, it is the conversation of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's more exciting, I think for me is the fact that when I look at our industry, right, if you just look at personal training or if you look at people that work in strength and conditioning and stuff like that, um, you know, they, they, um, th- there is a struggle to, to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that um, our industry specifically isn't given enough credibility in terms of the impact that we can make. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and so when you look at things that are covered by healthcare, right, people pay more for because they're covered under certain plans, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, recognizing that those things don't always necessarily provide the the, the catalyst for change, right? right? And so, I see the opportunity that's in front of us is to completely uh, revolutionize um, the whole prevention healthcare space to the degree where we own it mm-hmm. and we educate and build out to it. Um, you know, much more than much more than what we've been uh, given in the past, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there's there's always been this, um, I, don't, I don't want to see, for, for whatever reason, there's a value proposition that's made because somebody has, you know, say a white coat on or, mm-hmm. or you know, that, that there's somehow more value there. In fact, when you actually glean back how they do things, you, you realize that, that there's so much more value to be added by impact that we make mm-hmm. right and and so what's exciting for me is the fact that that we have an opportunity to upskill and up and and add more value to the marketplace for our existing industry mm-hmm. and that's the performance industry um more so than we've ever ever had and i think the opportunity is just there for us to seize right yeah so well they you know they say what your pat where your passion lies is the intersection of three things right what you're good at what you enjoy doing and what's meaningful. Yeah. So that falls right yeah. dead center of your target, target. it seems, because you're yeah. obviously good at it. You've been doing it a long time. Yeah. You obviously love it because you're enthusiastic about yeah. it. And we've all obviously There's discerned meaning. from this yeah. podcast that it's incredibly meaningful. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Anecdotally in both our lives and yeah. and also in the countless people that you've trained over the years and, and seeing how yeah. they've improved their lives. And for sure. One yeah. thing I want to point out that I think is important is the education piece, that informing mm-hmm. of the of the mm-hmm. the clients or the you know guests or however you want to define them, because we need to empower people to do things on their own, right? Yeah. When you do something for someone, 
you rob them of that opportunity to learn and to grow yeah. and and to accomplish something. Right? Yeah. We all know the feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, we yeah. all know something that yeah. we all know that something worked for is better feels better than something given. Right. Yeah. So so empowering people to understand and learn and improve, I yeah. think, is, is the most valuable skill set because mm-hmm. it translates to literally every avenue of their life yeah. and constantly asking, what can I do to make mm-hmm. this better? That will go from the gym to their home life, their mm-hmm. spousal connection, their kids, yeah. their workplace, all these places. What constantly questioning? What can I do to make this better? If you've got a person in your in your office that always stresses you out, like you talked about, you mm-hmm. go in and it's always like you got in a car accident because you you're you're encountering this person that you don't deal well with. Instead of just relegating to the fact that you're stressed, ask yourself, what can I do to make this situation better? Yeah. And, and having the confidence to tackle that, whether it's a sticky conversation yeah. of like, hey, what's what what the yeah. hell's going on here? Yeah. Why why do we have this this animosity? Yeah. Right? It's the it's the courage yeah. to confront all the little everyday battles. So the things yeah. the short term pain for long term gain mm-hmm. that I think so many people just let slip and yeah. let build up and contempt festers mm-hmm. and life and before you know it, you've got all these things you can't even keep track of mm-hmm. and your brain is just constantly stressed. Mm-hmm. I think I think the big challenge is I think everybody understands like the importance of struggling, in terms. I don't of, know, you know that they do. Well, how, what I would say is I think, I think everybody would say, intellectually, yeah, I get that. You know, it's not going to be worth anything unless I struggle for it. Like mm-hmm. I won't appreciate it. I won't learn from it. I won't grow from it. Blah blah blah. If I don't struggle, it's like, it's like studying or preparing for an exam, right? It's a struggle because you're having to remember, you're having to learn, you're having yeah. to educate. Yeah. And then you go out and go in and you get tested, right? Yeah. And it's like I have to reveal that I actually know and understand this information. <laughs> and I think and I think everybody gets it, but I think it's it's this fact that as soon as we do that, like we're not I don't think we have this attitude of, you know, that you need to continually struggle. Mm-hmm. Like that's just life. Like it's kind of like, you know, I, I really like um, uh, what's the name of the guy that does the headspace? Yeah. Oh, I, I really shit. love uh, I really name. love his approach to things because you know he talks about anxiety a lot and mm-hmm. um, obviously his it's it's a meditational app and he's got guided meditation and he has sleeping stuff but but what he does is he speaks to you before he actually you know puts you into into the meditational experience right and mm-hmm. it's you select auto select what what level of experience you want and um, Anyways, and, and what, what's great about it is the fact that he, he, he gets you to think about things like this. I'm using anxiety because that's a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for people, it's a struggle. But he uses anxiety as a, as a way to say, okay, look, think of anxiety as a thing, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't define you. It doesn't, doesn't, it's not you. Mm-hmm. It's just something that... It's kind of like something that's on your hip, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's how he that's how he gets you to kind of look at it, and and so when it crops up, mm-hmm. rather than letting it define you or saying you know I'm here it comes again and I'm gonna go through this whole thing with myself and blah blah blah, it's just oh there's anxiety. Mm. It's just, there's that dude anxiety, right? He's he's coming around <laughs> again, freaking guy. Like he yeah. seems to want to come around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna push him off to the side, right? right? And he uses the language of leaning into things. And I think that's really what's missing is that we're not used to 
like leaning into things. And, and I know that like where the slope gets tricky is when you are dealing with people that have like very clinical levels of this stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, it's quite serious depression and all that stuff. And, and I would say, you know, totally understand that. And, and I mean, you know, Tom Cruise got into big trouble because, you know, he was telling people to get off medications and all that stuff. And it pissed off everybody that was suffering around the world. But if you kind of take the good of, of, I mean, I'm not going to use Tom as the example, but if, if you take kind of the point there, the point is, is that everybody has varying levels of it. Right. And so the question is, how do you handle it or is it handling you? Mm. And, and so if it is becoming more of an issue, right, lean into it, mm-hmm. right? Like, like don't, don't, like, I need to take my medication mm-hmm. or, or like, why not figure out, because at the end of the day, s- somehow it appeared in your life, mm-hmm. right? How did it appear? And you s- people say, well, my dad had it, right? Okay, genetic, but the environment is what influences a lot of exactly. this stuff, right? And so, and so, if you if you take this attitude that you want to like take it on mm-hmm. right it's just like no different than saying hey i want to start up a business right you got to take on all the challenges that come with it but as soon as you get hit in the head with the first you know it's who is it that used to say this one of the sharks where he would say uh you know everybody's everybody's super no it's, it was a famous boxer was it Muhammad oh Ali? no mike tyson yeah mike tyson everybody wants uh, everyone's everybody's a, a tough guy. Everyone's Everyone got a has plan a plan until, until they get, get punched in the face. face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's perfect. I mean, it's a great analogy yeah. for life because, yeah. because you're in the you game, think, right? You're not right. on the sidelines anymore. Right. You're actually on the field. That's right. Oh, I just got smoked. God, yeah. man. You know what? I actually don't like football. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh my god, I just got hit in the head. Mm. It's like, wow. And so, if you're gonna jump into the game of life, you're gonna yeah. get hit in the head. Yeah. Right. And you just got to decide like how you're going to react to it. 100%. And it's all about how you react. Mm-hmm. And so when you, anxiety is just another thing, mm-hmm. like depression. I mean, you know, you think about, um, you know, things like uh, post, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I was going to say post-concussion syndrome, not post-concussion Postpartum syndrome. Postpartum depression? No, uh, <laughs> Uh, PTSD. Oh, right? post-traumatic of, yeah. stress disorder. I was yeah. thinking of PTSD that, you know, like, like something happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then we become dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now that owns us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not saying that you don't acknowledge it and all these things, mm-hmm. but at some point, is that going to rule your life? Like, right. is that how you want the rest of your, or do you want to be on medication mm-hmm. to deal with it? Like, are you going to deal with it? Yeah. Right? Like, well, and, and then, so what's available to you? Which is why I like Wim Hof. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you asked about earlier, you asked about like people that are influential. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's on something. I mean, he's not for everybody, yeah. but, but I think he's got, you know, this idea of like, Hey, you know, like fricking his biggest fear is not living fully. Yeah. That's his biggest fear, not living fully. And for a lot of people, it's like, well, what do you mean by not? Well, if you're stuck in your room hiding or, or you're, you know, not doing what you were intended to do in this world, mm-hmm. you're not living fully. Mm-hmm. You're just sleepwalking. Is that what you got in mind for your life? Mm-hmm. Because that to me is where, and all of the conversations we're having, they all tie to optimization. Mm-hmm. Because when people are not up, like if you're not well, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like 
You got to connect. You got to have all the balls. Yeah. And when the balls are all in the same area, that's when you're at your best, right? right. And it's about oh, this ball's slipping down here. I got to get it back up to these balls, right? Mm -hmm. What do I got to do to get it there, right? Oh, mental health is slipping this way. I got to bring that back yeah. in, right? And so, because that's when you're at your best, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody was intended to do stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like we're supposed to contribute. Not we're not supposed to come on this planet, right? Live off our parents, and you know contribute nothing die and then that's it mm -hmm. right like that's not what we're that's not it's not the design right so well, in the same vein of uh, you know of leaning in um you know it's it's like the famous psychologist carl Jung used to say right like that which you most need will be found where you least want to look for it yes yeah. and and yeah. to, to relate that back to ptsd you know mm -hmm. most often ptsd is as a result of not things that people saw Mm -hmm. but things that they were forced to do mm -hmm. and not being able to reconcile the fact that mm -hmm. they thought it's that cognitive dissonance, right? Of, yeah. I thought I was a person that wouldn't have been able to do this yeah. and then I did it. Yeah. And now I have to look at the dark side of myself, the shadow side yeah. and understand how do I reconcile those two things between yeah. the person I thought I was and the things that I've done. done. Yeah, you know, and that stresses people out to yeah. to be inconsistent, right? Yeah. We're a consistent species. Yeah. We like yeah. to we don't like to act out of line with the things we've done in the past, and no. and that's why it's really hard to change and to question yourself, and that's why we get so, you know, so dug into these ideolo ideological points of view. Mm -hmm. Is that we don't like to admit that we were wrong or we could have been wrong, even yeah. right? So yeah. you know, it's all it, it's funny. Yeah. Like I, as we're talking about all these different. You know, it's a mix of, um, you know, scientific and philosophical, all these things. I just, I'm trying to draw like a big whiteboard in my head and, and start mm -hmm. connecting the cycle of like yep. this to this, to this, to this, to this. And yeah. it's far too complex to hold in my head while we're having a conversation, mm -hmm. but I think it might be something worth doing. It, well, Steve, you know? like Steven Sorba, who I was telling you about the other day, yeah. he, he he's, I think, really working with the healthcare community and he was talking to me the other day about this concept around grit health, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 I think I like I like where he's going with that because because I think he's right in the sense that you know that, that pe people need to build grit. Mm -hmm. Like what happens when freaking life slaps you in the face? Like so, it's like you know I mean you know what 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 does that look like for you? And I mean he's a living post. I mean he's mm -hmm. a poster boy for mm -hmm. you know what that means. And and uh, but just a great way to kind of represent it right with mm -hmm. with you know putting it to language that talks about the resiliency and so you know when you talk about that whiteboard I, I what I see on that whiteboard is like at the end of the day like what gives us this sustainability what mm -hmm. gives us this ability to adapt to our environments right because when you start engaging in all these things right there are things that help us get back to where we were mm -hmm. And I think that's really what it is, is that, is that, you know, if, if something does get stress or stressful or hard, right? The question is, well, how do we counteract that? Mm -hmm. What do we do to help circumvent? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes what happens is we don't deal with stuff and then it just starts to continue to build and then things become dysregulated. You become unhappy and then you start to like get tricked into thinking that happiness is this or this or this or this. And then, you know, and, and I would never sit here and say that you know, I've got it all figured out and that life is a big freaking bowl of cherries. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's a battle every day, but it's like, I think the only lesson that you can learn is that, you know, just don't let it define you. Right. Right. Don't let it, 
Don't let, you know, don't let life's harshness, right, hold you back from the things that, that you were meant to do, right? But well, keep 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 pushing forward, right? And and uh, it's funny you say bowl of cherries, like you know, obviously, you know, life is what you make it. I think it was Tom Martinez, famous football coach, Tom Brady's mentor. Yeah, he had a quote where he said, you know, he got asked, how do you deal with players? How do you know when you're when you're being too hard on them or when you're being too soft on them? And I think yeah. it's applicable across life. Is he goes, you know, I get I get all sorts of different people and, and some people's lives have just been a bowl of whipped cream their whole life and some guys' lives have been a bowl of shit. Yeah. And for the guys whose life has just been a bowl of whipped cream, I mix in a little shit. Yeah. And the guys whose life has been a bowl of shit, I mix in a little whipped cream. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. it's just that balance yeah, of yeah. What, what people need. and Yeah. And so your individualistic approach yeah. to everyone is I think the only way to go. There's never going to be yeah. a blanket scenario to deal with yeah. everyone. Um, and life, you know, it's it's just such a good blend of of, of being challenged, overcoming, yeah. growing, yeah. doing that next thing, right? Yeah, and yeah, you're right. And sometimes you got to cut the cord, and sometimes you got to hold your hand out, right? Like, like yeah, it, that's kind of what he's saying. And mm-hmm. I, I like that. Like, it, I just think, you know, it, it's funny. We we can get really philosophical about all this, but at the end of the day, it's it's pretty simple, right? When you think about mm-hmm. what really makes things work and when you're actually in your best when you're in your best state right Mm -hmm. people are afraid of the grit aspect because you know and 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 of pushing themselves because sometimes life is hard and and oftentimes life is life is hard and and when you get stressed out you think well you know i can't go to the gym today because because you know it's i'm I'm too tired Mm -hmm. well not realizing that maybe going to the gym is what's going to strengthen you to be able to battle it the next day or might energize you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about other people, but any day I don't go to the gym, I'm far more tired than days that I do go to the yeah. gym and exercise. Yeah. Right? Or you don't sleep as well. So it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah, going yeah. to the gym is what tires you out at night to be able to get a good sleep to start it all over again. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, it seems like a cycle of many different factors and people need mm-hmm. to recognize where they are in that cycle, right? Totally. Like it's, it, it is, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, 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 you know, depending on who you're talking about, but it, I mean, the activity piece, I think, has been proven over and over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I constantly hear people who say, oh, I got bad back. But, you know, when I go for walks regularly, mm-hmm. actually, my back doesn't bug me anymore. Mm-hmm. That's your body's way of saying, like, move me, yeah. right? You know, and, and uh, I mean, it, you know, it goes back to the whole thing of, like, listening to, listening to your body if you're not sleeping well. You know, try to incorporate more activity during the course of the day, and mm-hmm. you know, try that strategy out. And that, and that's what I'm saying about you know, um, being able to implement and plug and play the different balls to change your lifestyle. Because it's like if somebody's being really honest with you about where they're at, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of good for that person. If they're not being honest, right? But they think they got it all figured out. It, mm-hmm. it becomes much harder because then you can't really offer a, you know, a a good solution or, or a good uh, maybe maybe a good option for them in terms of like hey well maybe you should try this right because mm-hmm. this does this this and this systemically mm-hmm. you know maybe try that and then it's like wow I didn't even have to take sleeping pills so A you save money <laughs> and B you, you didn't have to you know, basically pollute your body with, with uh, an excessive amount of chemical right mm-hmm. you know how do you build that trust up with people enough that? Well, that's the other. That, that's actually the one of the big pillars that we have with our is is 
in order to do this particular job, you have to be able to coach, right? And so coaching is all about not, is coaching is not like, we always associate coaching with talking. Mm. It's actually, it's about listening, right? right? It's about being able to extrapolate information. So if I'm sitting with you and I really want to help you, I need to listen to you probably for an hour without mm. interrupting and maybe just ask probing questions like, tell me what that feels like or, or you know, um, I was listening to what you're saying about your knee bugging you when you're doing certain th things mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, because you, you may have blinders on, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, everyone thinks they got it all figured out, yeah. right? Yeah, and, so, and so, so it's like about connecting back the dots and it's just, but, but it's an art form to be able to ask the right questions. It's, yeah. You know, to, to get somebody to a, say, you said a comfort level where they really understand like, hey, you know, I, I can trust this person or this person's, you know, seems like they really have my vested interest here mm -hmm. or I've, they've got my best interest. Then I can, I can start to like share with them about things that are intimate, right? Because, you know, if things aren't going well, right, that's where the real golden nuggets are because, because then you can be in a position to say, hey, you know, like, have you ever tried this, right? Mm -hmm. What's that do? Well, mm -hmm. does this, this, and this, right? And I think, you know, it could be a value to you, right? Mm -hmm. You should check it out. So then, you know, they, 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 you know, it just gives you opportunities to, you know, to, to be able to kind of get people at a level where the, where their, their windows lowered a bit so that they can, that they're able and willing to maybe take some suggestion, not, right. not, not advice, who cares about advice, but mm -hmm. more suggestion around a recommendation mm -hmm. around trying something, right? And I think that's so, so it really is an art form, right? And so we say at Archetype that um, we, so what, what's really missing is like a comprehensive plan, right? And, and it's different from one-stop shop. And a lot of times when people talk to me, they always say, oh, is this like a one-stop shop? And I'm like, one-stop shop was kind of this concept of like, I go into this facility and I've got my chiropractor here and my physiotherapist here and I've got my strength and conditioning coach here and then I've got my nutritionist here and then I've got my sleep therapist here and I've got my psychologist here and then and then everybody everybody calls that a comprehensive strategy mm -hmm. that's not a comprehensive strategy that's people sharing rent on a building mm -hmm. right because of it's cheaper right they're not aligned right. they can't be aligned so what a comprehensive strategy requires is one person right who has a network and resources that they tap into to understand you better mm. and then they work with you with a comprehensive plan that right. integrates all of these things that we just talked about mm. that's the difference maker right and and so like what's what's really popular right now in the industry is that you've got fitness clubs opening up with physiotherapy clinics and chiropractors and you've got all these people and you're like whoa this is amazing like yeah. I can come to this place and you get all these things yeah. right and it's like but that's to me, that's just people trying to build it's like a, a shotgun it's, approach. Well, it's it's disjointed. Yeah. Because it's like, well, how do I get to see this guy? Well, you know, you got to book an appointment with him. Oh, okay. It's that's a that's a business model. Yeah. Right. That's a rent model. That's saying, hey, we'll attract all these people into the one area, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, the big thing for me is 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 having a performance engineer. Right, mm -hmm. give you the who has the network and the resources to be able to engineer the right fits for you. Mm -hmm. 
That's the magic. It's, and that's a comprehensive plan around high-performance living, right? It's, it's comprehensive because it includes all the balls, right? Right. But it's coached mm-hmm. by one person. It's not you got to go to this guy and then book an appointment with him and then he's going to do your body comp and this guy's going to do this. Yeah. This guy does everything. Yeah. He does your body comp. And I was, it's funny because I was like probably about six months ago, I was talking to a guy who, you know, uh, I was down in LA traveling and, and they were saying, you know what it would be really cool is if you were able to work with my EA and then set up all this stuff with me and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, dude, that's what we're doing, man. Yeah. Like that's, and, and I was thinking like, that's, that's, that's key. They right? get it, right? They, he gets it. He, yeah. he did it self by self auto, like by let's call it what it is. He just did it out of common sense. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and this idea of like, you know, got my doctor here this is great and then I've got my physiotherapist you know like I'm like no you should be your own physiotherapist right right like you should be your own physiotherapist how do you how do you elevate your coaches to the level that you need them to be at in order to accomplish this goal well we I talked about that earlier when I talked about Michelle so so what we what we're doing is we're investing probably about a half million dollars over the next call it three years Mm -hmm. and we're building out a uh, foundational platform for building basically high performance specialists, Mm -hmm. right? Prevention health coaches. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And we've got two kind of major silos that are happening, um, experts in the field. So we've got one silo that really builds out um, for those individuals that have a fascination or a passion or interest in just movement coaching, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have another silo that deals more with people who want to work with, uh, like those, sorry, the movement coaches would work with like, you know, different populations, but Largely, it would be like people that are health seekers, mm-hmm. uh, people that are, you know, uh, potentially injured or suffering from, you know, um, like health health issues, limitations, mm-hmm. uh, things that may have befallen them and, and, and so on and so forth. People, lead athletes, that kind of stuff. And then we have a second silo that deals more with people that are interested in metabolic training and mm-hmm. like people that are uh, more focused on, uh, say, recreational multi-sport training mm-hmm. uh, people that are interested in body shaping and sculpting and redefining body and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff bodybuilding um, and that's a separate silo but what's interesting about this is that even though we have them going through kind of two different um, tracks they're building out this holistic uh, strategy around understanding like on on this on the metabolic side there's a little bit more nutrition built in mm-hmm. in terms of nutrition coaching that gets built in as opposed to the as opposed to the movement coaches but what's really cool is the overlap and the synergies in terms of a lot of the course layout right and so what we're doing is we're building this out as a platform to say okay what is it going to prepare like so we're going top down we're saying what does a health coach need to know mm-hmm. right health coach needs to be a sleep expert mm-hmm. health coach needs to be um, an expert in stress management mm-hmm. and technologies and training he needs to understand you know the difference between binaural beats and and different types of meditation experience right they need to understand you know on a scientific level what meditation does to help augment um our ability to manage stress what it does to the you know different regions of the brain um you need to understand light therapy Mm -hmm. um they need to be able to understand you know how hormetic stress uh can be advantageous to somebody right to help Mm -hmm. get them out of you know to turn on a different pathway blah 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 in the body um and so th- these individuals need to be able to become, you know, able to dispense healthy nutritional strategy, mm-hmm. right? 
Doesn't mean they have to be a registered dietitian or a, a, they are people that know how to dispense information around how to select right. the right type of nutrition right. for them, for their lifestyle. And then, um, and then our, you know, last but least not pillar is, is really dealing strictly with our whole strategy around how to move people, mm -hmm. right? So if you're more interested in body shaping and stuff, there's a different way that you move. If you're interested in performing in a sport or you're say injured or you've got different challenges, you need to be a specialist and a movement expert in order to be able to implement the right type of movement strategy for this person right. to be able to really tie the whole thing together. And then when you start to balance that out against technology, right? Mm -hmm. And adding technology, and so we talked about genomic information, metabolic mapping, and being able to, you know, be an expert in diagnostics, right? That allow you not so much diagnostic in the sense that you're not diagnosing something, mm -hmm. you're able to get more information that helps you ask really smart questions, right? right? That say, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Mm -hmm. Right? We're not telling people that there's, you know, XYZ problems. We're just saying, hey, what about, you know, mm -hmm. what about, uh, you know, it looks like your vitamin D levels are down, right? Right. Where do we go from there? Can right? it go both ways? Can can questions inform the tests that you do, and then tests you do also inform questions that you ask? Correct. Yeah. Tests can provide tests can provide answers, and then um, and then and then the test can also uh, stimulate more questions, right. right? And then that's where you need to be able to tap into resources. So we'll have a within our group we'll have an advisory board mm -hmm. and then within the advisory board we'll have experts in respective areas to be able to help dispense the right information so that's the that's the opportunity right that that exists and um, and we're that's where we're headed right so it's it's fantastic it's exciting um, and I'm glad that we were able to get this on uh, mm -hmm. on the record because the yeah. walkthrough we did last week was uh, eye-opening <laughs> for me and and, yeah. and you know I just it's brimming with excitement, so it's great to, to, to be able to chat more about this. Mm -hmm. When uh, when can people expect this to start uh, start being up and running? Well, we're I mean our, our open like we'll open our club August first, mm -hmm. and so um, but you can go on like we're we're obviously if you if you're interested in becoming a member of mm -hmm. the club uh, or you want more information, we have all of our email address and so on and so forth mm -hmm. online you can access the website at archetype life so that's archetype life .ca. Mm -hmm. um, you can uh, we have uh, you can you can message us there um, I'm on Instagram as you know yeah. <laughs> you can direct message me on Instagram um, and so my, my Instagram handle is Simon K Bennett mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, we have a business Instagram as well so archetype is, uh, is 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 the Instagram account, and then so we're on all the social platforms. Like, um, there's just a million one half ways to kind of get a hold of me if if you want more information, or um, you know if if there's if you're interested in memberships, we've got uh, you know um, we're selling memberships right now, and if you'd like to come and see the club or take a tour of the club, and we can walk you through and give you a private tour, you're totally mm -hmm. welcome to reach out to us and we'll we'll arrange it. What I thought was really cool because I went on your website, but you've also got a blog called Elevated Living yeah. where you're going to be posting yeah. things. So it's, you know, the we talked about this last week. 
some of these ideas are really high level concepts and, yeah. and, and you're trying to make the complex simple for people. You're trying to distill yeah. it down while also at the same time empowering them. So, right. you know, it's, it's, it's got, it's hard to translate this message. So it's yeah. great that you're doing the blog yeah. because it's a way for people to kind of come to it on their own terms a little right. bit, right? Like, you know, we, we all know that going to certain health club facilities or you get pressure sales tactics mm-hmm. or you know the, my favorite one is the oh come try out the gym for a week free well before you get access to that seven days free access you got to get the orientation they walk you through they interview yeah. you for 30 minutes it's like look man yeah. like just let me come in and try the damn place it's high pressure yeah yeah so yeah, we're yeah we're, we're like we we are we're actually we're we're trainers and and experts in the field first mm-hmm. and business people second right mm-hmm. so um so really like we our, our concept is like low like no pressure at all it's mm-hmm. completely like we believe that this will help people and we believe that we're on to something that is 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 the future of mm-hmm. the industry and, and, and I'm, I'm looking at what's happening in the states it's not it's this is not i'm not reinventing anything here i'm not off the grid um, there's a number of concepts that are out there that where they're they're making inroads into this, and it's just a matter of time mm-hmm. before people start to see that you know fitness clubs can be more than just like access to equipment. Um, it's 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 about lifestyle, mm-hmm. and it's about being able to you know elevate living in a way that is you know far beyond just an exercise experience, right? And so that's how we built the club. Everything about the club is intentional, right? So. Mm-hmm. The layout of the space, the the, um, um, the 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 hallway spaces, in terms of how we create gathering areas for people to actually build social connectivity, mm-hmm. um, the the studio experiences within the space themselves um, are are you know very very unique. We have the ability to change lighting to um, adjust. Uh, you know, in one of our studio spaces, we have uh, 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 far infrared light therapy that is being emitted into the space so it not only heats up the space but you're also getting all of the detoxification and autophagy uh, features that come with uh, red light therapy which is yeah. really a whole we could do a whole podcast on oh, the science so that's of unbelievable. red light you guys have all the bells just, and whistles there. yeah and it's just everything's been really you know thought through and the one thing I would say too about that's a point of difference in terms of the club is that you know people build group exercise programming into their club and they you know everything is pretty much just sort of like hey what's hot what's hot and popular in the industry and then they just plunk it in there what we did with with our group services not only are the studios individually created um, intentionally for being able to create different experiences and change almost like a chameleon right the Mm -hmm. space can change its shape and its look and its feel Mm -hmm. um, using all of our touch points but um, we are also recognize that a big part of membership is being able to use just the group services to augment this high performance living mm-hmm. component which is we offer if we offer a 40 minute hit class right mm-hmm. so you get kind of a salt and pepper fitness experience that kind of kicks you in the butt mm-hmm. but then we also backstab that into other studio spaces where we might have a 20 minute ab class that mm-hmm. really focuses on kind of key aspects of core training or we've got recovery built in that are anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes in addition to that experience so that what you're able to do is take our group experience is and the way that we've curated everything you have the ability to be able to say look i'm going to do the 40 minute hit but i'm also 
looking to recover because my performance coach is telling me how important that is to my programming and I've got an injury and all these things so I need to blend that in there as well Mm -hmm. and so we have the ability to give the member the ability to auto select which classes they want to take based on what their lifestyle needs are Mm -hmm. that's never been done Mm -hmm. like everything is always about oh well you know no that class is 60 minutes oh I can't take it because it's it's not it's not backed up against right we're actually thinking through like how do these classes interchangeably work so that somebody does have the ability if they want to go take a 20 minute um you know abs of steel class if that's what you mm-hmm. want to call it right so it's a lot more yeah. modular in that it's sense. more modular so that yeah good okay. word it's it's modular in the sense that it's got the ability to um people to be able to plug plug and play what they need mm-hmm. um so that so that they can get the most out of their out of their experience right great and we all need something different yeah but we're all the same <laughs> <laughs> well we we don't know we, we need to it's because our tastes and our interests and everything are so different right mm-hmm. like some people like you know it's like some people like yoga right yeah. um because it resonates with certain parts of them but um but it's just that making it available to people so that they can if they choose to be able to participate in other experiences right mm-hmm. like having shorter classes yeah. really allows people to have more ability to curate like who said that 60 minutes is the magic number? Right. Like, who, who came up with that? Yeah. That like, was I don't just know someone that decided was. that, and that's what everyone went with, right? Yeah. Like, who said that a 60-minute personal training session is is what has to happen? Mm-hmm. They don't know. It depends on what you're doing, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, everybody gets kind of, you know, we, we're like cattle. We get thrust into this idea of thinking that, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, it's it's got to be this way, right? Or else there's no value attached to it. Right. And it's like, value is attached to the result. Yeah. So, well, it's good. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I'll link everyone in the sure. in the episode notes to all the accounts, the website, the blog, all that stuff. Awesome. Simon, thanks for taking the time to join me. I appreciate it. Long time coming, but I'm sure it won't yeah. be the uh, the only time that we get together to do one of these. No, this is we've this got is too many great. topics to dive into. Yeah. And you're too knowledgeable to let you just be <laughs> well, a one time to- guest, right? <laughs> one hit wonder. Yeah. Well, you know, we jumped around. We covered a lot of topics, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure. A lot of people are probably, you know, somewhat interested, but maybe slightly confused. But <laughs> but at the same time, that's part of it. That's yeah. where learning starts. And yeah. so if what my recommendation to your viewers is just, you know, don't don't trust me. Just, you know, start Googling, start searching this stuff out and, mm-hmm. and you'll find for yourself that the more information you start to try to glean, you're, you'll get a better understanding of it and it'll all start to connect and, and, and make sense for you. And if you're if you got questions, just reach out to me or reach out to you, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And I can tell them where to find you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know more than I do. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank well, you. thanks again, man. That was good. Two hours. That was a good one. That's a, <laughs> that's a long podcast, bud. We'll catch you later. <laughs> See you, Simon. Take care. Hey, guys. One more thing before you go. Shout out to the Alberta Podcast Network who supports this and other Albertan podcasts. Check them out at albertapodcastnetwork.com. One that I highly recommend during playoff times is the Fourth Line Hockey Podcast, hosted by Carl Landra, Joel Schnell, and Nick Sagan. No finesse, just grinding out opinions on hockey and hockey-related news. Find them at thefourthlinepodcast.com, and I'll link them, the network, and all of Simon's material in the show notes. Once again, thanks for listening. Send me your thoughts, and I'll see you back here next week. See ya.